I listened back to the old episodes of us discussing Austria, and my prediction for what was going to happen was wrong. Um, so I'm here to officially fall on my sword. Um, I thought... Okay, so look, all right. I was being pessimistic. I thought it was going to be FPU and Ufape again because they were just going to like talk to the Greens for a bit and the Greens will be difficult and they'll be like, oh, the Greens forced us to get back with the fucking SS continuity party. Um, so <laughs> you made us do it. The worst possible outcome is always a good bet. <laughs> right? So I, I agree. Ah, but then, yeah, now the Greens have done this, and we're we're talking Austria again, which... We also didn't expect, though, the Greens perform... First off, Fridays for Future didn't exist yet, Mm -hmm. last episode. I mean, it did, but, like, not to the extent of what it's at now. We didn't expect the the European elections then to be that much influence. Like, Europeans have, like, such a guilty conscience. (laughs) They're like, damn, I don't know anything about this, but there's a party that has the word green in its name, so I guess I'm going to vote for them. And um, yeah, so don't feel so bad. I was I was really surprised by the election results. Actually, um, I was first and foremost surprised at how poorly the FPU did. Um, pleasantly surprised. Uh, I expected the Greens to do reasonably well, but they outperformed my expectations. Um, and I was also surprised at the fact that a coalition between the Greens and the UFO ended up coming together because I really thought that, um, and we can get into this more later, but um, the UFLP uh, managed to be so successful in 2017, which was kind of their first breakthrough because uh, their leader, their new leader, Sebastian Kutz had successfully transformed the party into basically a right populist formation. And I thought in order to be electorally successful and sort of maintain that right populist credibility, who would have to make a coalition with, you know, the far right rather than risk losing that by making a coalition with the Greens. But um, I guess I was wrong in that. So, <laughs> Well, he, he could only have done it by the um, unofficial campaign slogan of <laughs> Schwarzmachgeier. <laughs> because what is better than Austria's version of black.com? That's what I think it is. That has to be what it, how is it not that? Did you know that they were going around in like the Geilo Mobile and shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. What the fuck? I love how you know this without seeing the video. I know. Like you just know this from like word of mouth of like, look at how fucking insane Austria I, I'm is. I'm German, so I know. What there was just, there was just a day, there was just a day like earlier this decade or last decade or whatever, where like, Yulia looks at the news on her phone. She's like, "That's stupid." And then went about her day. Probably. <laughs> oh, Austria! Now, like, because uh, Adam, you have a theory about Austria that like everything's like like five years ahead in terms of racism in Austria. <laughs> the, the most important timeline in the yeah. German speaking world. Does it also go with horniness? Like, is this also? Mm, I know that. Question. I know that. That's not really technically. You know, if you want to translate it properly, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. But it was very much implied. It was just like big titted women in the, in the mobile. Yeah, I don't know. And they were all wearing black. Yeah. I, I, like, what do I expect from Sebastian Kurz? I would have to think if there's an equivalent thirst trap in German politics to Sebastian Kurz. 
Um, and I really don't, so uh, before, you know, we started recording, we were talking about Christian Lindner a little bit, you know, he's also trying to do this sort of strongman posturing <laughs> thing. He's like sort of a vaguely young guy. He's Strongly. like v- vaguely good looking um, in sort of a, a very like bland and plain way. Um, <laughs> went hard enough. I like how we talk it's like It's like a combination of... It becomes completely different. What's that? Uh, the bar becomes completely different when we talk about politics, both in terms of what is considered young and good looking. Christian <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is kind of young. He's like, I think he's approaching his fifties. <laughs> he's kind of sexy. Christian Lindner's only sexy if you're just like, like in the Bundestag. Yeah, you have to be like, like look at him sideways. And like... Just because of the like black and white photo he has on those like um... on his Twitter, yeah, and, uh... yeah, and on the posters <laughs> with a little pink and a bit of sharp contrast. <laughs> so like Christian Lindner's whole thing will then be if it's black and white photos yeah. uh he's a little bit, a little bit classier you know he's not you know <laughs> coke parties and and, and orgies oh, you don't really know. yeah I don't, I, i'm not sure I would, i'm not sure i'd agree with that i think he i don't know i to- no, he, i know christian Lynn is notorious like he's a notorious coke addict no you know what it is wait um since, since we're talking about cocaine um i feel like so yes. so um um you all know the movie american psycho of course right um, you know the Christian, the yeah. Christian Bale ca- character in that in that a, movie. A good movie about doing business things. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> a movie about doing business things, or or you know, the Wolf of Wall Street's kind of like the moder- the contemporary capitulation of yeah. recapitulation of that. I feel like um, you know a bunch of good guys. I feel like both uh, Sebastian Kurz and, and Christian Lindner are kind of like different variations on this same archetype. Of the Christian Bale, uh, uh, why am I? Uh, fuck me, Christian Bale, Christian Bale, Christian the, 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 the Christian <laughs> Bale. It's all the Christians. Yeah, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I, I guess that's what what you do when you're that kind of guy. You're into finance and stuff like that, and and you kind of yeah, like yeah. And young I, I, and successful. Neither one of them fuck. did that. Though. Yeah, you're young and successful, and you fuck. Yeah, no, the it's it's a. I think it's it's a good sort of. Of, um, you know, microcosm of of what neoliberal, what neoliberalism, the kind of subjectivity that neoliberalism produces, like what is sexy yeah. becomes this like finance macha tupe, this like you know finance bro, yeah. um, with you know and you know with like slicked back <laughs> hair, with like the, the super high cheekbones. In the case of in the case of Lindner, um, <laughs> and just like what sexiness becomes equated with like like competence. Not just like competence, but like you know the German word like competence for like you know business competency. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I just feel like that's such a good sort of encapsulation of you know how neoliberalism, uh, you know, affects us on sort of the level of what we find appealing or you know. <laughs> I I really this is definitely I've read a fair amount. I haven't. Uh, I know some things about neoliberalism, and this is definitely the worst I've ever heard about it. Neoliberalism telling me what to find horny. <laughs> which uh, why can't we go back to what it was as nature intended, which was a naked anime girl? <laughs> that is, that's what it is. Look at this finance competence. No, no, classic, good old fashioned. Japanese drawings. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, when we're talking about like having a German equivalent of the <laughs> Actually, when you it's look my car outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you look into the campaign of the Junge Union, 
you actually had a very mm. similar slogan to that and they actually had posters like that so they had like half naked or yeah half naked because they had to wear something black of course to prove the point so it was half naked women on a poster saying like yeah Junge und Junge und <laughs> I don't know. Same shit. <laughs> I, I really like the lazy equivalent of Schwarz Matt Geil. I was just like, we didn't even try. So what's the slogan? Yeah. <laughs> and then the party's name. <laughs> so it's it's the same logic as those parship ads. Like, well, there's a hot person, you know? They're not on the app, but you should That's do that. That's basically elite part, uh, but hornier. <laughs> so. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, so the, should we, um, the comparison I keep coming back to, then then we can, yeah. then we can okay, yeah. is that um we we kind of alluded this uh to this in our last episode but like quartz and Linda are like two sons in the family and quartz and if you look at the german media this is they're like he's so amazing he's so successful why can't we be like that and then they just turn to christian Linda and be like oh, we why can't you be more like your older brother sebastian yeah. or younger brother i would say yeah. no, he's, he's definitely he's definitely the older brother in this scenario doesn't, age doesn't actually don't, matter don't why don't you do anything with your life your your brother is off there being chancellor of austria what are you doing actually, i think germany shouldn't get inspired by austria yeah well <laughs> no no every time we've done it in the past it's been great <laughs> your brother you know successfully sidelined the right-wing party and took over their base and you know solidified power why can't you do that Christian? <laughs> hey 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 welcome to your weekly corner spatey we have the full gang here uh, myself, Nick. Um, ha. <laughs> Kieran wanted to cut me off. Julia. <laughs> I was trying to be sexist. You won't let me. It's <laughs> Sorry. Hi, Rob here. Not being sexist. <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest all the way from one of the moons of Germany. Yes. The, the, the f- mountain moon of Austria. <laughs> I was thinking the forest moon of Endor, but... Yeah, um, what? That's the whole Star Wars thing of like planets with like single biomes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes no sense. I really like the idea that there's somewhere there's a grass planet and it's just flat grass as far as the eye can see. That actually exists in the Star Wars universe, but nonetheless. Okay. Yeah, yeah can, um, we, can we actually yeah. introduce our guest? Yeah, exactly. We have uh, Adam Baltner from, um, how do I pronounce the magazine in proper Austrian context? Mosaic? Very good. Mosaic. Mosaic. Very good. Oh, That's thank you, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you speaking German over here. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are here to long-awaited Austrian episode. We promised it. We love talking about Austria on the podcast, as long-time listeners know. It's my favorite German-speaking country. <laughs> it's the most buck wild one. Hang on, we really haven't looked at Switzerland close enough yet, but let's... True. That's like only a fourth, technically, and their German's not even really... Like, Kieran, you can barely understand actual German. Yeah. I'm very excited to handle dish fights, but all right, all right. All right. And we're doing we, Austria, we love relating Austrian politics to German politics and the yeah. bizarro relations between the two. And then also the wider world, because a lot of people who listen to the podcast aren't German. Yeah. <laughs> to give, you know, for, for the Germans, to give them an analogy they'd understand, it's like homeopathy. <laughs> because Austria is less dense, so it's more diluted, and therefore the German energy is stronger I don't understand and comes this. out. I think that's how homeopathy works. 
Yeah, so my whole character for this show, for this episode, is going to be like, I have done the most ridiculously surface-level research on Austria. All right, going into character now. <clears throat> Guys, you know they say Gruß Gott over there? <laughs> what? They what? also say it in Bavaria, though, too. Oh, wild, sorry. wild. That's yeah. the end of my research. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, so... I, um, Austria, as you may know, has has actually nine federal states, um, and the one to the further when I so I moved to Austria in 2013 from the United States, and when I first moved to Austria, I spent a year living in Vorarlberg, which is the westernmost state of Austria on the border of Switzerland, and unlike the other eight states in Austria, Vorarlberg actually doesn't speak a dialect of Austro-Bavarian; uh, it speaks uh, a kind of German that's actually closer to Swiss German. Uh, and they don't say. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, they they yeah they say Gott as well. But um, when people greet each other, there's actually another word that they use, um, which is quite shocking to most people in the German-speaking world, particularly it's the N word, <laughs> particularly in Germany. Uh, they say hi or heile. <laughs> oh, no. nice. Nice. Uh, oh, the dream is alive yeah. and well in the Alps. I guess. <laughs> All right, I'm cutting us off before we go any further because we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we are going to talk about the Austrian election. Um, Adam's going to fill us in on everything that's been happening. Um, for those who don't know, there is a um, the UVP, the center right party, or maybe maybe a little more right than center, you know, <laughs> right with a little side of center. Uh, and the Green Party have entered into coalition, and there's some talk about what this means uh, for the future of Europe or Austria or, or what have you. So to get started, the last time we talked about Austria was right after the uh, probably well-known by now Ibiza affair. Um, you know, cue the Avicii. I legitimately <laughs> forgot about that. I mean, I think so Austria did also so did Austria. Austria completely forgot about that as well. With clearly, um... and at that moment in time, so I mean, we pointed out that courts immediately went up in the polls, um, and that if 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 you looked at you know the. The election was uh, you know, still several months away, but there was kind of hope in the air. There was Thursday demonstrations, right? The Venga boys were, you know, giving some, yeah, giving concerts in in Vienna. Uh, and now, several months later, we have uh, Kurz and his UVP party back with the highest result, with a higher result than last time, and into a coalition with the Greens. So, Adam, how did we get from the happy times of the Venga boys to now? <laughs> Yeah, so um, maybe I should, just to rewind a little bit, um, we should talk a little bit about uh, what exactly the, you know, happened that led to the Vanga Boys even coming to perform in Austria in the first place. Um, so I know you already did an episode about this, but um, just a brief recap. Um, on May 17th, uh, a video was leaked showing uh, the then vi- uh, vice chancellor of Austria, a guy named H.C. Hat- uh, Strache, or H.C. Strache, uh, of the Far Right Freedom Party. Uh, That's his DJ name in Ibiza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on vaca- he was on vacation in Ibiza with one of his party colleagues, uh, a guy named uh, Johann Gudenus, uh, who was, uh, you know, sort of one of his closest confidants. Um, and they were meeting with somebody who was pretending to be somebody who was allegedly a Russian heiress um, and negotiating mm. uh, a deal for her uh, to buy uh, the most important and the, the biggest newspaper in Austria in order to boost um, the FPU's 
political profile basically during elections and to do campaign work, uh, you know, basically media campaign work I for the... about how much I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, that was part of what they discussed. Another part of what they discussed was uh, a strategy to, to circumvent uh, Austria campaign finance laws. Um, so unlike the United States, which is where I come from, Austria has fairly stringent uh, laws about campaign financing, how much people can spend, uh, how many donations people can spend. Um, and there are laws pro- prohibiting things uh, such as, you know, sort of slush funds. In the United States, you would call them super PACs, uh, where people can just kind of dump infinite amounts of money um, that then uh, campaigns have sort of backdoor access to. Um, they were kind of conspiring to set up one of these big slush funds uh, that would, would sort of be off the books of the official electoral uh, uh, the electoral, uh, basically the electoral commission wouldn't see it. Um, and this video was leaked and the very next day on, on the 18th, which was a Saturday, May 18th, 2019, which was a Saturday, um, Hatze Strache, uh, gives a big, uh, speech at midday. Uh, and at the end of the speech, he resigned. Basically it was a, a long apology, which lasted about 15 minutes. And at the very end, he's like, but, um, you know, I, I made, I made mistakes, you know, I was, I mean, he mostly talked about how he felt really bad for uh, flirting with this uh, oligarch, uh, uh, and, and he apologized. <laughs> he apologized to his wife, and then he resigned. Such okay. a horny mistake. Adam, not, not to interrupt, but I remember he was like, "She was really hot." I'm sorry. What, what are you going <laughs> to <Yeah>. do? <laughs> that is actually exactly what he said. Um, okay, so that happens. Was he like chugging Red Bull and doing coke at the same time? And like of all this, I remember that. Like that doesn't sound healthy for your heart, <laughs> but very Austrian. Yeah, yeah but, of course. So that Red, Red Bull, Bull yeah. yeah. I just love the like how that video was filmed in like what 2015, I think, or something like that. They were sitting on it for ages. Yeah, yeah. it was exactly. It was, it was filmed. In, it was filmed in 27, in I believe August 2017 during during their summer vacation. Hatze uh, Strache and Johan Kudinus' summer vacation. Of course, during the summer vacation yeah. <laughs> yeah but that video looked like it was from like 1984 or something like that it was in the shittiest quality of ever it's like but i mean come on it was probably like a phone camera that does not exactly like my phone is like 170 oh my megapixels God, just because you have a chinese <laughs> phone yeah exactly like what kind of shitty phone are they would it surprise you to learn that maybe strache isn't on the cutting edge of like design and fashion and taste <laughs> He's in, no, of course not. He's in Ibiza. Like. Yeah, Ibiza, I love yeah. Ibiza as the place as well because I feel like that's like three southern Spanish destinations ago. Like, there's a reason there's a Venga Boy song about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not like an Avicii song about it. Yeah. I feel even Avicii is quite outdated. <laughs> um, so, uh, to continue a little bit uh, with the story, just so I don't take up mm. too much time. Um, um, a week later, um, so Strache resigned the day after this video came out, uh, and then uh, the next week, um, the entire uh, FPU, all of the FPU members of the of Sebastian Kurz's cabinet, of his government, so all of the FPU ministers, uh, resigned. Um, and uh, I don't know if I said this already, that the FPU is the far-right party in Austria. Um, yes. They you know, are, are kind of like the AfD in Deutschland. Uh, sorry, like the off day in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the reason that all of the ministers resigned is because um, Sebastian Kurz uh, gave an ultimatum to uh, Herbert Kickel, who was the Ministry of the Interior, also uh, an FPU minister, um, and easily the most controversial figure uh, in the FPU besides Strache, who was the, the leader of the party. 
uh, and Kickel is mainly controversial because of his uh, well-known ties to the extra-parliamentary far-right uh, organizations like the Identitären and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, the best German analogy would probably be somebody like um, like like Hecke um, in, in, in Thüringen. Um, so uh, Björn Hecke for... Or Björn Hecke? Uh, what's his name again? No one knows his name, yeah, actually. Okay, okay. I don't it's know. Band. It's Band. Band, Björn. No, it's Björn. Yeah. I think, which one is it? Is it Band or Björn? No, it's Björn, but it's Björn. Band is the first yeah, name. You say Band to try. Oh, says. crap. Anyway. Oh, oh I <laughs> literally thought that that was his Got name. Got him. <laughs> German humor. Knee slappers. Yeah. Is all around. You can, you can cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and... Uh, basically, Kurz saw this as you know an opportunity to to kick out um, uh, you know this some some of the most controversial elements of of the FPÖ from his government, um, and you know he's an extremely impor- important person to the FPÖ. He used to be the the leader of the FPÖ's um, you know Bildungsakademie. That's like the uh, uh, party foundation that's in charge of basically political education and. And stuff like that. Sounds bad. Um, they're, like, they're like think tanks in the yeah, US. The party think tanks. Oh, they're like yeah. the yeah. Stiftung in yeah. Germany. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can think of as like the chief kind of political strategist and, yeah, quite frankly, conspiracy theorist of the of, of the SPÖ. Nice. Yeah. Um, and and when shit. when he like was when he that. was forced to resign, mm-hmm. when he was forced out by Kurz, uh, all mm-hmm. of the FPÖ members resigned in solidarity. All of the FPÖ ministers resigned in solidarity with Kurz. <laughs> in solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> in solidarity with their with their uh, racist oh uh, with their 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 racist leader, not leader, but uh, their fallen horny. Their racist yeah. the racist thought leader, I should say. Um, yeah, and then you know, I never, I, I never thought that meme uh, of like um, that like leftist uh, sticker that says "Follow your leader" and it's a picture yeah. of it would actually work, but yeah, you know, it worked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should put up the, we should put more of those actually, up. I remember like them being very empowered in the German sense of empowered <laughs> about like that he had that he resigned and that he had to resign mm. and and stuff like that I, I don't remember exactly but yeah yeah um and uh after this um after this dust up uh the FPÖ said that they wanted they, they wanted a vote of a parliamentary vote of no confidence on on Kurz, on Sebastian mm-hmm. Kurz. and surprisingly um the SPÖ so the social democrats in Austria uh who had been doing fairly weak opposition work up to this point um decided to join mm-hmm. the FPÖ uh, in voting for mm-hmm. in voting oh, yeah, for a vote of no confidence in Parliament against Kurz, um, and this happened ten days after this happened on May twenty eighth, so ten days after the resignation of of Hatze uh, Strache, the FPÖ leader, um, and uh, after that, uh, Kurz was no longer the Austrian Chancellor. He was replaced by an interim Chancellor, uh, and an election date was set for um, September twenty ninth, um, and. The left, uh, not just the left, but you know, much of Austrian society was really euphoric after the, you know, the scandal with the FPÖ vote, the Ibiza Gate scandal came out, um, because you know mm-hmm. people rightfully mm-hmm. perceived, uh, um, you know, the FPÖ as a as a massive threat to to democratic rights. I mean, not just to to leftists, but or and not just to to, um. You know, pe- people, particularly on the margins in society, uh, immigrants, 
um, but really to, um, you know, the democratic character of the state. Um, I think it's important to, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but um, that FPU's long game is a transformation of um, the state and um, not necessarily in a, not necessarily in a way that would make it not a part, not a democracy, at least formally anymore, um, but in a way that would push it maybe in the direction of, of Orban's Hungary. Um, and mm. okay. So, uh, setting that aside, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, people are making a lot of, but then it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Then it's interesting that they still elected them for the EU, didn't they? Like, the FPÖ got uh, a couple of seats. Austria couple doesn't of have seats, yeah. a huge amount of seats in the EU. It's like whoa, something like thirteen. I think uh-huh. it's comparable to Ireland. FPÖ maybe. got some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. The, um, that was after the Ibiza video. If I can rem- yeah. if I remember correctly, I think the FPÖ got. Um, I th- I think they got seventeen percent in in the uh, European election. I'm, I might mm-hmm. be wrong about well, that. It, it was it was around there, um, but they didn't go down by. That. I mean, they had gotten 26% in the general election um, in 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, they, you know, still did relatively well in, in the EU election, which is only a few weeks later. And I think this had a lot to do with, um, you know, it may have, may have been even higher, it may have been 20%. Anyway, we can look this up later. But um, uh, <laughs> the in, the way that the FPU resigned, um, sort of in, in you know, uh, you know, the way that they kind of all rage resigned together, I think had the effect of really firing up their base and um, getting a lot of sort of FPU voters to to turn out. And, you know, normally an EU election isn't really the FPU's, uh, I mean, FPU, the FPU has historically been a, a Eurosceptic party. Um, although then again, I mean, you did see a lot of Eurosceptic parties actually doing quite well in the EU election. I mean, look at the Brexit party in the UK. Um, so yeah, they, yeah. they weren't really hurt as much as one may have expected in the EU election. Um, and they, they actually did a lot worse um, in the general election in, in September. Um, and I think that this has to do with other scandals that happened between Ibiza-gate and the general election, which had a more demobilizing effect on the FPU's base, which we can talk a little bit more about maybe later if you want. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, we can get into them now. Or, or I just now. want to clarify. Yeah. So the Ibiza affair, everyone was cool with that. They were like, <laughs> yeah. They were like, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, this is literally the most German, and when I mean German, I mean like German culture of the language. Going to Ibiza? Whatever. Going to Ibiza. <laughs> Quoting Venga Boys. You know, partying, you know, a little bit too much, making backroom deals with the Russian heiress. Like, that's, that's normal. Well, that's like... That's aspirational. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, God, I wish I could be like, like offering a Russian heiress. Exactly. Like, you just kind of like wish that you were like Gerhard Schroeder at that time. Like, why am I not, you know, why do I not have Vladimir Putin on speed dial? <laughs> like, why am I not being offered a seat at Gazprom? In the, in the US, there's a, there's a meme there's a, of the Doomer Wojak and he's smoking and talking to, you know, a pretty goth girl. And in Austria, oh. the equivalent <laughs> is like, they just dream that they could be Someone like Straha talking to a Russian heiress, you know, <laughs> drinking somehow drinking three Red Bulls at the same time and being like, "Do you want to buy the Austrian fisheries department, please?" Anything. <laughs> it's actually not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> ski lifts. We can name our ski lifts after you. Yeah. <laughs> you can run all of them. Um, so, so what? What are these other scandals? Um, 
that the FBU that afflicted the FBU. Yeah, because the, yeah. the, 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 my understanding of the numbers was that, like, the, um, yeah, I haven't heard those. The, the, the actual uh, Ibiza scandal had very little impact on, like, people's voting decision. Um, like, I think, like, no party got, um, 50% of people who voted for no party, like, said, more than 50% said that, hey, my, the reason I'm voting for this party is because of the Ibiza affair. Yeah, I, um, I think that, that tracks. That definitely sounds about right to me. Um, the main effect of the Ibiza scandal was just to just to destroy the government and make it so that there would be a snap election, um, uh, which, you know, shouldn't be underestimated uh, because... Okay, so from the time that the government, so from the time that the, the coalition between the FPU and the UFLP, so the center and the far right, was sworn in in, 2000, in January 2018, until the Ibiza scandal happened, um, the government had very high approval ratings and very stable approval ratings. Um, and it really looked like it was, you know, it was go- they were going to be in power for, for a decade, if, if not longer. Um, and people were just, you know, really in despair. I mean, liberals, left liberals, leftists, obviously, um, you know, possibly even some people in the, in the orbit of, you know, the center, right. Uh, who, you know, don't really identify with, with the FPU. Um, but yeah, I mean, just this thing that kind of came out of nowhere and blindsided everybody, uh, took down a government and, and destroyed a coalition, which, you know, uh, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so, so that's actually pretty huge, but I definitely don't think that, uh, that was the main reason that the FPU, uh, had a relatively weak electoral performance in September. Um, the main reason is, um, actually, well, um, uh, uh, basically a money embezzlement scandal came out, uh, around, mm. uh, the leader of the party, Strache, uh, who was also at the center of the Ibiza scandal. Um, and it had, it came out that Strache had been using, uh, official party funds for, um, basically to enrich himself, uh, you know, using it, you know, on vacation, using it to, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for, for, for his own, for his own enrichment. Um, to rack a high score in Clash of Clans. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah what, over, in, in December, in December uh, an article came out uh, that said uh, Strache had, had been using party funds uh, to buy, I guess, I, I'm not a gamer, upgrades in Clash of Clans or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he'd spent, he'd spent <laughs> um, tens of thousands of euro on Clash of Clans. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's literally like your seven-year-old that you're like, yeah. need to have the parental so, lock on the app so that he's inside the app. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know that people actually play these games. That's the thing that I... I they get Super Bowl ads. This is I where the money comes that, from. I know that. Isn't, isn't this the g- man, game that you see like advertised to you when you're scrolling through Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. It seems like kind of basic. It's not the one... <laughs> it's not the one who got the um oh what's that blonde model in the states she was like the face of like yeah, one of yeah it was apps. kate upton was kate upton the, was yeah, like the face wait, of what? one of these kind of apps for yeah. ages yeah. yeah well you know i'm a um but I'm he a... does seem like the kind of person who makes like horny mistakes straka so he's like if i if i, if I get enough points <laughs> if i get enough money i get kate upton <laughs> <laughs> I am, you know, that Russian heiress, but I could do it with Kate Upton. Yeah, sorry. I'm a, I gotta stick true to last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Um, fuck Clash of Clans. 
I'm a World of Tanks kind of guy. <laughs> World of Tanks, yeah, I was about to mention that. <laughs> Just a now. fine Belarusian gay. <laughs> Go on, Adam, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, interestingly, I'm, so I'm not even, okay, I think this had some effect on uh, the FPU's uh, turnout. Uh, you know, I, I, so the FPU has successfully managed to capture, you know, a, a portion of uh, people on the margins of society who uh, the state has really uh, underserved and, um, and and neglected. And um, I think it's probably reasonable to think that some of those people uh, looked at the scandals around Strache and thought, you know, here's a guy who says that he's he's fighting for for uh, den kleinen Mann. Yeah, he's fighting for the little guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And clearly, this is bullshit mm-hmm. because he's just using the party he money meant to the people in his clash of clans to, to enrich himself, <laughs> right? But I think uh, a lot of people. Okay, so after this scandal came out, the FPU obviously had to, you know, depose Strache as the leader. Um, or uh, sorry, I think Strache actually stepped down from the leadership before that, after the Ibiza scandal came out. But they actually had to kick him out of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, and after Strache's expulsion from the party. I mean, in spite of everything, in spite of all the scandals, he was an incredibly popular figure um, just because of all the things that you've kind of alluded to now, like, you know, kind of this, I mean, he, he's like this plain spoken, like Red Bull swigging, like very sort of, he, he's like a, like a Bulgarian, you know, you know, I feel like it's maybe a little bit too easy to compare him with Trump because uh, there are a lot of, a lot of differences. I mean, he, he wasn't born, he wasn't born, he didn't inherit, you know, millions of dollars from his dad or whatever. Uh, but just kind of this this vulgar, you know, attitude. I think had sort of an organic appeal amongst amongst a lot of people, and he was a generally po- a genuinely popular figure. Um, so I think the fact that he got he's your cool racist uncle. It's, it's, now it's like this thing, like oh, he says it like it is. Exactly, he says it like it is. He's your cool racist uncle. Yeah. And I think the fact that he got booted from the party actually probably hurt the party. Um, but more than anything, mm-hmm. I think the thing that hurt the FPU was the image of incompetence that the party projected amidst all of these scandals. Um, and the and this image of incompetence directly contradicts with the idea of the strongman, I think. You know, the strongman is somebody who's super competent, who can, who can get things done. Uh, and yeah, the FPU just looked like a shit show to basically everybody for different reasons to different people. But at the end of the day, this, this had like a, a big demobilization effect on the party. Um, so a lot of people ended up staying home. Uh, about 100,000 voters who voted for the FPU in 2017 um, didn't vote for them in 2019. And about 100,000 ended up about 100,000 ended up voting for, for Sebastian Kuts. And I think this is super interesting because Sebastian Kuts, um, so Maybe I'll try to keep this brief, but um, Sebastian Kuts, uh, he was um, he came to prominence in the ÖVP as the as the as the leader of uh, the the Junge ÖVP, so the youth organization of the ÖVP, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, he served as uh, the I think Minister of Integration, uh, ironically enough. Um, oh, and he was he, he had kind of a reputation of <laughs> get in the Galemobile. <laughs> I mean, there are a few interesting sound bites of him in, in interviews from like 2010, 2011, where he he you know says things against um, you know headscarf bent. He speaks out against you know the FPU's uh, sort of you know uh, um, you know mm. the racist things that the FPU was doing against Muslims. Uh, sort of this um, 
thing where the FPU was trying to institute a headscarf ban, uh, which, you know, obviously um, directly disadvantages, you know, Muslim women, uh, you know, the state telling them what they can and can't wear uh, in a way, you know, that, that affects them. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so Quotes was integration minister under, under one of the grand coalition governments. Uh, and then he was, uh, minister, minister of, uh, uh, he was also minister. So, um, foreign minister, uh, or secretary of state, I guess you would say for, for the Americans who are listening. Um, and as secretary of state, you see, uh, his profile really start to rise in the party. Um, and this comes at a time when the FPU, uh, is also doing really well in the polls. And uh, the FPU is actually leading in the polls in Austria uh, for the span of about, I want to say, a year and a half uh, from about 2015, around, or actually around the time of the, the quote-unquote refugee crisis, um, you know, in the fall when, when a lot of mm. you know, uh, refugees were in the news uh, coming to Europe. Um, until, and this only changed when Sebastian Quetz became the leader of, of the UFOP in 2017, right before um, the, the general election, uh, and Kuwait's, uh, during 2016 sort of made, made a name for himself, uh, in his role as the minister of the, as in his role as foreign minister, uh, by notoriously being the, being one of the main architects of, of the closing of the Balkan route. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that you know, uh, rings any bells for you all. But, um, you know, one of the main ways that ways that refugees from, from Syria and from other places in the Middle East were, were traveling to Europe, um, up until 2016 was, was through the Balkans. And and this is referred to as the Balkan route. Um, and it's obviously a lot safer than trying to cross. I mean, it's not particularly safe, but it's safer than trying to cross over the Mediterranean for obvious reasons. Um, and Kuwait's, um, uh, sort of, you know, likes to be the he likes to say that he's responsible for for closing the Balkan route, um, and you know there's a lot of truth to this. He led to uh, he he led a push for massive militarization of um, a lot of sort of the a lot of Austria's exterior borders. So he cut deals with you know other governments, uh, you know Balkan governments with Hungary, uh, and you know basically yeah, pay them Hungary, off to oh to God. to, to yeah. you know beef up their beef up their border securitization uh, to make it harder for refugees yeah. to reach to reach Austria and to reach Europe that way. Um, and that was a massive, that, that really boosted his political profile yeah. and, and um, you know, made him a very popular figure. Um, and then when he took over the, the UFOP, which is the traditional party of the center right in Germany, it would be the equivalent of the, the CDU, the Christian conservatives. Um, mm. He mm. effectively transformed the UFOP into a right populist vehicle. Um, so he, you know, his, his platform in 2017 was identical to, or you know, very similar at least uh, to to the platform that the the, the had had uh, in terms of immigration, sort of a hardliner anti-immigration line, um, you know, coupled mm-hmm. with you know hardline you know neoliberalism, uh, you know, gifts to to you know major major industry donors and stuff like that. Um, but mm-hmm. basically, what I uh, to to try to circle back here and, and make my point, um, quits. Uh, has transformed the the UFOP into something like the FPU ha, uh, has has been for a long time, uh, but he has managed to project this sort of air of competence and ability to get things done mm. in a way that the FPU uh, clearly failed to do uh, with all the scandals in the, in the last year. Um, so that's why you see a lot of FPU voters either not voting at all or 
or voting for the for the UFO vape, for the competent authoritarian. Yeah. Actually, I think you get that a lot, like around Europe. You see that in Greece right now with like Golden Dawn losing a lot of you know uh, voters yeah. to Neo Democratia um, because of this because they radiate like competence and mm -hmm. so if you have an already established right right wing very right wing or like yeah. which is con uh, considered as or call themselves this center right or something but they kind of follow the same you know the same direction they kind of are very far on the right but they are very established so a lot of the voters migrate again from this they used to vote very far right just like yeah. something like um FPÖ or something like Golden Dawn and now if you have a party like that in power you can you know migrate back to that party because they are so on the right that they are not to be considered center anymore yeah similar thing happened with um there was the collapse of Partido Popular in mm -hmm. Spain and everyone was like oh Vox the neo-Franquismo party they're stealing all their votes but most of it was actually the supposedly centrist yeah. Ciudadanos party because they had moved so far right in kind of like response to Catalonia yeah. um, that they just they became very authoritarian very police apology a kind of like authoritarian party that they took in all the like uh, Franco cranks in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Spain Wow. Or, I mean, I think we can even maybe start to see something similar happening in the UK uh, with, with the Tories under, under Johnson. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yes. kind of too early yeah. to say how that's going to pan out. Um, but, you know, at least in the days after the election, there were all these, I mean, again, it's kind of anecdotal Twitter stuff, but stuff about, you know, notorious far right figures in, in the UK uh, who, who had just decided to join uh, the Tories, you know, to become members. Uh, after the election, which oh, yeah, actually Lennon did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Yeah, I, I, Tommy I, I, I keep forgetting his fake name, but Tommy Robinson. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I would one hundred percent agree with that. I think that's exactly what happened in um, in the UK. Like Boris Johnson is just a very this completely different figure that appealed to the far right compared to Theresa May and definitely David Cameron. Mm -hmm. Like they've. I do not get it with Boris Johnson. I, no. I I think he's. I can understand why people would vote for Trump more significantly more than Boris Johnson. I said this probably multiple times on the show, but I mean, he's the most disgusting looking person. We accidentally, on the face I think we accidentally came upon it like a couple of weeks ago. But he does remind me of Mr. Blobby, which was like this children. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. figure on children's television in the UK. Okay. He just reminds us of all the things we saw as a child. It's basically oh, that's disgusting. Why. Yeah. So, Adam, would you say like how well does Kurtz fit this role? Like, could someone like is it a is he the best that the far right in Austria has? So they'll deal with him, but could someone from the FPU, like, is there a pure figure that, you know, could come up on the horizon or is Quartz like, yeah, okay, he's more alpha than uh, Straha, so I'm going to vote for him. Uh, you know, Straha just didn't look cool enough when he was selling off uh, every single publicly owned thing in, uh, in Austria. But Quartz makes it look cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I, to my knowledge, there's nobody on the horizon uh, who's um there's nobody with the sort of the profile and the level of political talent on the horizon in sort of the fpu uh umfed in the in the fpu sort of uh environment um but i mean that doesn't mean they don't exist i mean when when people think about 
the far right in Austria and young people, and this is kind of horrifying, they tend to think about the Identitärenbewegung, uh, which is, you know, a far right extra parliamentary organization and, and their leader, Martin Sellner, um, who, I mean, he's, I guess he would kind of be a parallel to, to Stephen Yaxley, Lennon, aka Tommy Robinson in the UK, but he's a lot younger and uh, also a lot more he's like what's his name in the he's US a lot more polished too, he? and uh um, better better yeah, spoken richard yeah, he's, he's like richard spent yeah, he's, yeah. yeah that's actually a better analogy he, he's like spencer well, um this is a rec- this is actually this is a terrifying recurring mm-hmm. thing that i'm noticing with austria is they have all these like comparable far-right figures but they'll live longer because they're already younger that's that's the great <laughs> thing that i'm learning is kurtz there's this guy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, yeah. Not to dwell on the point. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. Oh, uh, no. It, it's not that important. I, I think Senna is a lot more serious than than Richard Spencer. Like he has more of a, I don't know. He seems to be more of a competent far right organizer, whereas Spencer seems like kind of a objective. Well, Spencer clown. already blacklisted himself <laughs> because is, he was a Nazi the whole time, the just like is, an outspoken neo-Nazi. And he also just walks around being like, stop talking about sports ball. This is a speech. Yeah. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and the difference is that Spencer tries to be like this. I mean, he kind of tries to be like this. Um, What's the what's that ridiculous American magazine? The the William F. Buckley one. The, um, oh, um, uh, what's it called national review national review thank you <clears throat> he tries to be like a national review yeah. like like uh you know pipe smoking tweed wearing uh arrogant intellectual <laughs> asshole and like that just doesn't really play well with like the young generation i think but uh um um yeah uh, zena is much more sort of media savvy in this way you know at appealing to youngsters and i, I think that's a big yeah. problem yeah, I think that is the dangerous thing about the Identitären is um, because they are actually like, they are, you know, kind of like educated intellectuals and, and stuff like that. And there is this weird thing um, with like Antideutsche in Germany that are actually, that he made a YouTube video about like how he agrees with points of the Antideutsche. Yeah, I mean, that should surprise, that shouldn't surprise anybody keeping, with a brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, and how how they keep like German culture alive. So it's like all this talk about Adorno and stuff like that, and some other like very German intellectuals and praising Adorno this. Just fits into any box. Oh. <laughs> Literally, he does. That sorry, is the point of critical theory. So sorry, sorry to inter- sorry to interrupt you, Julia. Um, I just want to say, uh, um, Richard Spencer uh, used to be a grad student, I believe, at University of Virginia um, or Duke or something. And he did his he did his masters on Adorno. On Adorno. He did, yeah, yeah. yes. Oh, catch Marxism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but uh, it was at Duke, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's one of these southern universities. I don't know. Um, Why yeah. does Duke's university sound like it's a university for that kind of person? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty sad. The, the only two things that I associate with Duke University is Richard Spencer and the lacrosse, lacrosse rape scandal. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, sterling record. Okay, so not to keep dwelling on this point, but yep. what is the relationship between Kurtz and the, you know, the Identitea Bewegung? Is Kurtz like a, is he a cuck? Is he like not all the way there? Because he seems quite flexible. And- I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, pump him up. I don't want to, you know, uh, in, overinflate like what they've actually accomplish quote unquote good because he's guessing but i mean mm. i'm trying to think of like a left-wing <laughs> comparison and 
I mean, he kind of is like like the AOC of the far right or something, you know? Or like, yeah, yeah. He, he's like an international figure. Like, fucking... like you know how like uh, leftists all over the world celebrate AOC now because they're like, here's a person uh, ch- mm. putting her ideas out there uh, into the public sphere uh, and you know challenging the establishment. Uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about you know individual positions she's taken on certain questions or whatever, it's like sort of our. Uh, you know, champion who's getting her ideas out there. I, I feel like, you know, Sedna may occupy a similar position, actually, internationally. Mm-hmm. Now, but what do his feet look like? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know this thing about how, like, the right in the U.S., whenever they draw AOC, it's always, like, some foot fetish thing? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I missed out on that. I'm glad I did. We'll show you later. Don't oh, worry. my God. Um, uh, anything else you want to ask on that? No. no. Oh, um, so you, I, feel, I feel like accidentally. Wait, I feel like yeah. after I accidentally showed um, Yulia Black dot com oh, earlier yeah. this week, I think we should protect her innocence for just another week at least. Yeah, yes, I don't want to say. Oh, that. sorry. Um, just to uh, to answer uh, Rob's question, like, what's their li- so uh, there's there's no relationship between quotes and the identity town. There is a relationship between the FPU and the identity town, uh, which is you know, and we should actually start talking about the Greens soon. This is a reason that it's objectively very good that the FPU is no longer in government uh, and that, you know, a guy who has, you know, a more or less known relationship with the extra parliamentary right is no longer the Ministry of the Interior, the guy in charge of the police in the country. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'll criticize the Greens for a lot, but, um, you know, I'm kind of glad that, <laughs> well, we can talk more about... Um, kind of i yeah how it would have been bad either way had yeah. had, had it been another far right coalition or this you know uh right uh green coalition or center right green coalition mm, yeah. but yeah i'll just leave it Let's, at that before we get to the yeah. greens i just want to go through a few checks so what is the spu doing during all of this where nothing <laughs> just Not get that on the record actually. they're having a normal one like the spd they're just well, falling apart like before your eyes joining other people on like the, the like a vote of mistrust vote of no confidence no confidence sorry yeah, yeah. 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 so i mean like, so after yeah. so they're not very yeah um after <laughs> after the after the vote of no confidence the the spu so the social democrats ran an incredibly weak uh electoral campaign um which actually was similar to the 2017 campaign in so far as uh, most of the campaign focused on uh, their leader and the personality of their leader, uh, who was a who's a, a woman named uh, Pamela Rendi Wagner, um, and uh, you're making these names. Like, up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I'm trying to remember what their election saying was. Um, oh man. Uh, it was something. It was something extremely uh, sort of banal and feel good, feel good banality. Uh, um, their their posters all had a heart, uh, and Pamela. Oh, it was probably uh, like yay. <laughs> their posters had a heart and it had oh mensch, Menschlichkeit. That's what it was. Uh, their 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 uh, oh, okay. their, their uh, slogan was Menschlichkeit, which means I mean actually if you translate it into English, it kind of sounds good. It, I guess it translates to humanity, um, but. It also sort of translates to Julia. Maybe you could help me out here. What's a good translation of for Menschlichkeit? Yeah, something like being 
means being nice. It means being a nice humane? person. No, being humane. <laughs> being humane. You know, humane, to okay. a person. Yeah. Yeah. So being like being nice. humane, it, being nice. Yeah. They got to leave. Doesn't so, mean means being kind. I was. No. I, would, they, I would say it's more like being yeah. kind than. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like kindness yeah. than humanity. Yeah. Humanity sounds like philosophical, yeah. um, you know, like Marxist yeah. humanism. I mean, humane would fit it. So not human, but humane. Mm. So like they gotta leave the one-word campaign slogans just to the uh, the uh, FDP. Yeah. Sorry, digitalization <laughs> really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. It's like but, first digitalization, then we think about it. <laughs> That's still my favorite post. That's the best. So one. yeah, it's it's actually interesting you bring that up. Adam, yep. with the like, uh, I don't know, cult of personality around this one, you know, or like an emphasis around this a like, super friendly yeah. leader, super friendly, uh, super well spoken, uh, nice professional mm-hmm. woman. That's it. She seems nice. I uh, mean, yeah, nothing but, against her. Yeah. yeah. It, it reminds <laughs> me of the 2017 election in in Germany, actually, because I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, when Martin Schulz was running for the SPD, yeah. it was a big thing, like. Here's the guy. I don't know if you remember uh, a Reddit was created yeah. called yeah, the, the Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh my god. You had that more was, memes than content. That's still going and it's very upsetting. Yeah, I, I just I just pulled up on my phone. Yeah, so the I'll thing is you had show more, the room. Yeah, you had more memes than content. So well, it was just like believing in him as a figure that comes like from the EU and he was doing quite mm. well in the EU, well, EU so the, now one of the weird things that he kept doing during the campaign was yeah. all his, his policy positions were things the Groco had already done. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Groco would just be like yeah. We already did that. We're and he always kept harping on the fact that he was a recovering alcoholic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is very relatable to the German public. <laughs> it is, but still. Like, my, um, my, should have said I'm still an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. My mom like legitimately like sent me an article about him because that was the thing that I guess like, appealed to it's Americans the most is that they managed yeah. to get a former alcoholic to become the Actually, <laughs> I think party. that's interesting because that is one of the like first times I like, noticed that kind of like notion of American kind of um, campaigning is using that also against him, like an ad hominem argument like that. Yeah. So like, oh, saying, he likes like, to oh, drink. He, he likes you to drink. like to exactly. drink too. Yeah. You shouldn't yeah. be president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you like alcohol in Germany? Get out! <laughs> well, you can leave Bavaria with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, right. So. Um, one, one more point on this, uh, personality focus campaigning, uh, mm. in 2017, the leader of the social Democrats, uh, was this guy named Christian Kern, uh, actually, uh, yeah. in a lot of ways, very similar to Pamela Randy Wagner, um, you know, sort of a, a youngish, uh, sort of good looking, uh, very like professional seeming guy, uh, or, you know, woman in the case mm-hmm. of Randy Wagner, um, and they were guy, sort okay. of celebrated for, you know, being, you know, responsible and, and decent and, and, and competent. Uh, and in the ca- case of Christian Kahn, uh, the SPU had all of these like online and stuff, but also bumper stickers that said, yes, we can. Like like the Obama thing. Yes, we can. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes, we can. On. And then they brought it back for Randy <laughs> Wagner. So her name is Pamela, yeah? And they had Yes We Pam. No. No. That's, that's, no, that's, that's why they lost. And I posted about this on Twitter in a, in a really snarky way. I was oh, like, shit. what does it say when, you know, what am, what, am, what is the takeaway when, you know, uh, this historically socialist, even Marxist party, if you go back far enough, uh, a party that, you know, built Red Vienna 
uh, that built the entire social mm-hmm. housing system in Austria, that built the entire social state, uh, is stealing uh, electoral slogans from a neoliberal American president. I really, really, yeah. really like the idea of like, yes, welcome to the SPU leadership uh, process. The only thing we require is that somewhere in your name, there's just the short ah sound so that we can make the slogan that we paid a lot of money for work. <laughs> um, so if your name's Cameron, we can be, yes, you, yes, we can. Cam? This is great. <laughs> what is their opinion? What, what is their position on um, triple tap drone strikes? <laughs> 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 well, I mean, I, I don't even know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but Germany has a, has a very similar, and I would say German center-left people, have a similar uh, relationship to Obama. I mean, if, if you recall, Obama gave that huge speech yeah. before he was even elected in Berlin. Everyone fucking so loves like, him when you're like the like, liberal but, And left, uh, you know? I think it was maybe uh, Die Welt or something. We, mm. we were reading this, and they're just like, uh, Obama especially internationally or online what goes viral or one thing of his that went viral about his personality is Mm -hmm. the uh, correspondence uh, dinner roasts and he's like so cool and funny and there are all these german writers being like Oh, I just wish we had someone cool. We just have Merkel. If only the we could have someone who's cool is, who has yeah. yeah Merkel has put up the her favorite songs is, of 2019. One of them being uh, "Shug" by the Baby, <laughs> and how I really need to see a video of Obama singing along to that song because I cannot imagine him being like. Um, She's like, oh, I smell cologne. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is that the German people even like. Um, weren't that angry about the NSA scandal because it was Obama doing it. Like, if he listens to me talking to my mom on the phone, talking yeah. about planning a terrorist attack. On I was planning oh, yeah. oh, yeah. to tell him anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I share uh, everything with Obama. You uh, <laughs> saw you were speaking to Al-Qaeda. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Really upsets your mom. <laughs> By the way. I'm sorry, Obama. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's it's funny XOXO. you you bring up the um, Obama's end of the year list thing. For those who don't know, Obama was like, "Here's all the like books I read this year and music," mm. and he picks all this like cool musicians. Like he watches Parasite, listens to Big Thief. The watching wow. Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> He's not somebody doing do that. that for him. Like as a publicist, he absolutely yeah. does exactly. Yeah. Okay. But, but th- this is why it's so perfect. It so perfectly captures the Obama phenomenon because Obama in general, Obama non. It represents <laughs> the fact that where was this in 2008 <laughs> i didn't have a podcast then um <laughs> no one did it was 2008 <laughs> like they don't care about the politics so much they just wish they had a cool or competent but especially with the sharing the music and books it's like a cool relatable someone who appreciates things you know in office and of course this has always been a projection from liberals so they can forget about real politics they can just trust yeah. that there's yeah. someone cool there but what's so perfect about the lists is that it's clear that he's not even cool like he's just paying someone like yeah you guys think it's you guys want me to like pretend to like this shit all right just at the very I'll, least <laughs> i'll give you a couple thousand dollars like come up with a list of cool movies and stuff like, and the best <laughs> he just asked his daughters exactly i mean yeah. but the or the orboros has obama's clo- favorite tiktoks <laughs> it's it's closed in on itself in the oh, sense yeah. that you could assume that obama the thinking that matters is dumb but at least he's a cool interesting person but he's not it, like the facade is coming off now because he can't keep it up this kind of leads me to an interesting question for you, Adam, though, because uh, speaking of like cold personalities and thinking they're cool, is one thing you get from looking at the stats is Kurtz has a huge amount of youth support. Um, 
Yeah, it's much higher than like any other comparable party, I think, across Europe. Um, I I remember watching footage of after the uh, election results came out in September of like the uh, the youth gathering, basically the, the youth wing of the party, like having their kind of like election results come in, which was pretty much everyone I was expecting to see there. These kind of like frog like young people with glasses. One of them was actually like plugging his own ears because like everyone was cheering around him and he was like concerned it was too loud. Very funny stuff. But <laughs> what is the what is the kind of like connection there? Is Kurtz appealing to young people? In any way similarly to Obama did? Is it a facade? Is it genuine? What's happening there? Um, yeah. So, I, what does I, Sebastian Kurtz's end of the year list look like? Is what we're also trying well, to ask. I think both. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know um, how strong a parallel I would. Obama would be the first person I would think to compare him with, but uh, because mm. um, there are a lot of ways in which they're quite different. I mean, um, but um, one thing that's interesting about the Quartz campaign in both 2017 and 2019 was its emphasis on on newness. So when Quartz remade the the UVP into kind of the right populist formation, he did so while also simultaneously. giving it a, an overall sort of image freshener. Uh, like he changed the colors of the party from its traditional black to, to turquoise. Um, he, he even changed the name of the, the, the name of the party as it shows up on the election ballots from the UVP to the, to the Noya UVP. So the new UVP. Uh, and, yeah. um, wasn't it also quotes list or whatever? Yeah. So the, on the ballot, it's, uh, it was the Noya UVP list of quotes. So the new, Ufa, the new Austrian people's party quotes list. Um, and, mm. um, all of sort of the imagery on the posters, on the, on the billboards, um, uh, was all about, uh, sort of Zukunft, sort of future and, uh, time for change. Uh, so, you know, Obama also, I mean, I think this is actually where the, the comparison uh, really does lend itself to, to, to being, mm. you know, in which you can really draw a comparison with Obama. Um, so Obama obviously campaigned on hope and change and quotes, I wouldn't necessarily cam- say he campaigned on hope and change, but he campaigned on, I don't know, making Austria sort of fit for the future, uh, you know, change, changing the out with the old and with the new it was definitely a less hopeful message mm. than, than the Obama message and sort of a more, I don't know, um, sort of, I, I, th- I feel like there was always, um, there was always sort of an implicit, uh, uh, there was an implied need that we need somebody really strong who's going to secure us. Uh, we need somebody who's really strong and competent who's going to sort, sort of secure the future for us. Um, so I think maybe that's sort of why he resonates with, with young people or with certain young people, at least. Um, and just more generally, I think, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, his popularity actually is a reflection of, um, sort of the post-political moment that we're living in where you can just sort of be like, oh, you know, Mm. I'm going to do something new. I'm, I'm changing the color of the party. I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I'm using all this. Uh, rhetoric that kind of reflects newness or emphasizes newness and 
um, because people, um, you know, are so depoliticized, um, because people spend so much time thinking about politics and, and what politics actually means and uh, the fact that it actually affects their material well-being, um, you know, that can actually have some, some appeal. Yeah, but it's too traumatic to actually think about like, oh, there's real politics out there. So, you know, like all of us, you just like, you know, try to be a stand-up comedian or get bangs or something. You know, very relatable. <laughs> Wait, we need a just... little change. <laughs> no, he was talking about me for both of those things. <laughs> um, all right. But there is, I should say, uh, it seems like we've been a little negative uh, so far. So I want to bring us up and say we do have hope. Because we haven't talked about the Greens yet. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Greens are going to fix things. I always believed in those guys. <laughs> um, we, we've, uh, so it's, yeah. we, we've mostly talked about, uh, I think, the, the election and the election night. Mm. Can you give us like a, a recent history of the Greens, who they are, and how this coalition came to be? Mm. Yes. Um, so the Green part, <laughs> a recent history of the Greens. Um, the Greens have you know, been around since the 1980s. Um, and they uh, were originally a sort of a, a coalition between, um, you know, some radical leftists and left liberals and, and even some conservatives. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way, okay, I'm not, this isn't necessarily that recent if we're, if we're going back all the way to, to, the, to the 80s. But the Greens, I think, were I mean, they're, they're oftentimes uh, talked about as sort of the, the torchbearers of like 1968. So like, you know, the, the student protests in the late 60s. Um, mm-hmm. And in a way, I do think the party kind of comes out of uh, a moment where not necessarily left-wing politics is hegemonic, but certain left-wing ideas like, like anti-racism and, and, um, and feminism. Uh, and, you know, especially uh, in the German-speaking world, just, you know, an acknowledgement that that fascism was bad and an explicit anti-fascism yeah. being something it's very hard to get parties to agree. Yeah, on right. I mean, in theory, everybody <laughs> agrees on it, but in practice, like people weren't necessarily mm. talking about it that much. Mm. Um, and, you know, f- maybe for the American listeners or for the non-German or non-Austrian listeners, um, it's, it's very common in the German speaking world for, uh, people to identify themselves as 90, as 68ers. So people are like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm a 68er. Mm-hmm. And that just is, you know, what people who were active during the 68 movement or even just alive during the 68 movement oftentimes define themselves as. Um, and in, in a way that, you know, doesn't, people don't really do in the United States. Maybe somebody will, maybe your dad will joke about like, oh, you know, I used to be a hippie, but it's not really such a cultural identity like it is here. And I think this has to do with um, people mm. wanting to distance themselves from like the Nazi sins of, of their parents. Um, um, but yeah, so the Greens uh, uh, are sort of a, a left liberal, radical left, and even uh, they have some conservative elements at, at their beginning in, in the 1980s. Do, but yeah. um into the 90s and the 2000s, uh, you do see uh, a more uh, conservative shift uh, in the party. Uh, in the early 2000s, the leader of the Greens was a guy named uh, Alexander van der Bellen, who's currently the, he's famous now because he's the president of Austria. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, van der Bellen, interestingly, so oftentimes people think of the Greens as, as being to the left of the Social Democrats, but um, this isn't necessarily, tr- this certainly isn't necessarily true now. And it hasn't 
necessarily even been true for decades. Uh, so Fanda Bayon used to be a yeah. social democrat, and he joined the Greens in the late 80s, uh, so shortly after they were formed. And in, in his autobiography, is this really interesting quotation where he says, uh, when, I joined the, when I left the social democrats and joined the Greens, I went from being, quote, an arrogant anti-capitalist to a generous, to a generous left liberal. Um, so he identifies the social democrats in that tradition with, quote, arrogant anti-capitalism and the green tradition with nice mm. left liberalism. And I think that's actually quite accurate. <laughs> it's interesting. yeah. Um, and uh, the Green Party uh, uh, in the 2000s and the 2010s, to get into more recent history, as, as your question specified, um, I think the, the social base of the party um, you know, is mostly, um, is mostly middle, uh, yeah, middle, middle to upper middle class, um, a lot of educated professionals. Um, again, this is also a lot of the base of sort of the activists of the SPU, but the SPU also has a historical connection to the labor m- movement and to, and a current connection to unions and the, uh, union institutions and labor institutions, uh, that the Green Party really doesn't have. Um, so, you know, the Green Party, you know, it's people who studied at university, um, you know, upper middle class people who, who think of sort of, uh, who vote in, in starkly moral terms, they think of their vote almost as a form of charity. Um, and um, the politics that the party has supported, uh, the, the politics that the party was supporting during um the the 2010s was was definitely you know at least their cultural politics were were left wing you know very openly pro immigration uh, obviously pro environment um, and pro feminism they they um, are for things like having uh, quotas and in, in, in government and in various industries or and on the company level for things like uh, how many how many uh, women versus men a company should have should be allowed to have you know um, actually that's very similar to the German Green Party because I was thinking the exact I, same yeah, thing because yeah. okay though so when they started they started from like you had a lot of the 68ers in yeah. this party but you also had Heinrich like, Böll was like literally one of like the main figureheads yeah. of this party at the yeah. in like the mid 80s you also but you also had um conservatives and you had people like leaving the CDU to go to the green party actually mm. like in the beginning um and the slogan was in the beginning it was not left not right but at the front Yeah. Hey Andrew Yang. <laughs> well, it's the it's the bit from The Simpsons so, of like twirling, um, twirling towards freedom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you had and and this is like a typical thing um for the Green Party is the inner coalition um fights. You know, because you had like you wanted to be a party or like a movement before you were a party to like combine every like to to bring everyone together over yeah. these topics of like anti nuclear like anti atomkraft <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. anti nuclear power for yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> my brain um chernobyl has a huge impact on all yeah. this yeah yeah, 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 yeah definitely yeah. they gained like a momentum there um and again with fukuyama uh, fukuyama they did as well but mm. anyway um they Wait, were when they fu- 
The, Fukushima. Not Fukuyama. Fukushima. Fukushima. Yeah. I mean, Prince Fukuyama has done enough damage. The end damage of history also <laughs> sounds of, like something. Yeah. The Greens it's the end of history. <laughs> and also, the Greens are cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it, it's been a long day. So, anyway, Fukushima. Yes. Um, I like the idea much better of that but, nuclear power plant being called Fukuyama. But <laughs> yeah, well, he is a nuclear power plant to me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, you see that a lot and then when they try to like go into coalitions like when they start to actually become like a not only oppositional party because they started like to push out the far right of their party hmm. where that city guy left the green party again and said like okay they're yeah. not on my side anymore um and then they start to push out like the radical left wing of, of a faction of this um party which would be like Jutta Ditford for example she's still very active and mm. gets in a lot of fights still on Twitter <laughs> with people. <laughs> um so they became this like what what you just said, like this like green liberal kind of like left liberal thing yeah. when they start to actually try to not be an only opposition anymore, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that that is um Sorry, uh, just to quickly add to Yulia's point is like that is the that is definitely the only like really consistent takeaway you can get from like all European Greens mm -hmm. is that in opposition they maintain these radical elements, uh, even some of the like conservative protect the homeland kind of like manicured garden uh, environmentalism um, is still there, but like it's basically across the board as soon as they get into power even at like a state level, like local government, yeah, yeah. they seem protected or like they don't fall into the like neoliberal trap at local levels, but definitely at like state levels. Um, the most pronounced example of that is the Irish Greens where right up until they got into coalition government, they were like getting all the US soldiers out of the Shannon airport. Um, they were like trying to divert these motorways. They were going to disturb um, archaeological sites. They were uh, a big part of the Shell to Sea campaign, which was literally Ireland trying to get like the company Shell mm. out of like Irish waters. And right before they went into coalition, they like put in this like government. They backed this government investigation into the Corrib gas field, which was like corrupt as all hell. Mm. And then as soon as they got into government, they withdrew their the complaint. It would just like happened immediately overnight. Sounds like a green party. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all, all, all I want to add is that um, I'd like to come back to this, but I don't know if this is the, you know, a, an element of every green party, but it's a dynamic certainly in every green party. And it's a shift in the definition of politics from like a materialist politics mm. to something else. What that something else is, is kind of vague. It could be, I think, quite well-meaning in the sense of, you know, uh, uh, yes we be agree <laughs> being being based around social movements being based around uh movements like feminism and, and things like that but and in, in a more vague sense sometimes it's just about being like a new generational movement and, and this is certainly from the 60s like doesn't matter what the kids are up to but it's good yeah. whatever those kids are doing kids are you see right. this uh i think it was a newspaper it might have been uh, Die Welt, that had sebastian Kurz and greta thunberg on oh, the cover nice, nice. nice. Was was <laughs> because yeah yeah because whatever yeah, yeah. is happening so, this is you know the kids we support also, them there was also the kid who um uh from the catholic school in the u.s 
who had the Native American yeah, yeah, yeah. guy drum the thing in front of him, and he got like the MAGA kid. The MAGA kid, yeah, yeah. he was also on the cover. Jesus. No, not really. Of course. Well, you actually believe me. No, I'm sorry. The world's so fucked. I believe. Yeah. But um, uh, but th- th- that is like it's very um fucking Donald Tusk, who's now like the head of the European People's Party. He's like the head of like Donald center, yeah, yeah, center right in all of like yeah. Europe. Essentially, like after this coalition was made, he was just like, "This is the future. Everyone <laughs> absorb and cannibalize the green movement. That's how we're going to survive." Yeah. But I, so. I think in a slightly pessimistic, a uh, more pessimistic sense is that what was the 60s, I think there was a lot going on in the 60s, but a lot of it was just, we're like a new youth movement. You should listen to us. And there were a lot of things that came out of it. There was a lot of, you know, in the 70s, there were fucking, you know, Maoist sex going going wild all over Europe. Maoist sex? And then, <laughs> and then, and then exactly. And then so you have in the, in the Greens, a lot yeah. of them... Yeah, exactly. So in, in Germany, in, in the 80s, what does it consolidate into, like... Well, it's, you know, we're going to do this green thing. That that represents, I mean, it kind of, it's tautological in the sense it's, that whatever yeah. these new people are up to, we'll call that green politics. Interestingly enough, the left faction of the Green Party was actually c- coming from the Maoist tradition of like the 68ers, which is very... It's the, the, sa- the same in Austria. I would like to center... In 2017, the Greens fell out of parliament. Yeah, that, that's the next thing I wanted to, they were I wanted to bring in. up. Yeah. And in 2019, now they're part of the coalition. So what happened? Okay. What is this hit success story? Well, okay. Yeah. I, I think we should rewind to the 2017 election for a little while. So mm-hmm. um, when the 2017 was also a snap election after the grand coalition fell apart between, uh, a, you know, over, over a disagreement between the, uh, between the SPU and the UFAP. And uh, people weren't expecting the election to come so soon. and uh, a lot of a lot of people who are just generally against the FPU um, decided that they needed to vote for the SPU uh, because for a while it did look like the SPU was maybe going to come in first. They were pulling within a few percentage points of, of the UFLP for at least a little while, you know, in the high 20s and, and the UFLP was in the low 30s. And the SPU's main pitch other than look at Christian Ken, he's such a cool guy. Yes, we can. Uh, was um, mm-hmm. look, just vote for us, and if we come in first place, uh, we'll get to be the chancellor part. We'll get to you know be the the governing party again, and we'll be, get to keep the the FPU out. Um, so a lot of people, you know, as I sort of alluded to before, a lot of a lot of the Green Coalition was. Uh, you know, left liberals, you know, generally people who don't like the far right for obvious reasons, uh, people who, you know, in the best case scenario, people who take anti-racism quite seriously. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of these people are motivated by sort of the SPU's call. You know, you have to vote tactically, you have to vote strategically. We got to keep the far right as far from power as possible. Um, so because of this in 2017, you actually see a massive movement from from green from the greens from their electoral coalition which was around 10% of the electorate uh in 2013 uh to the SPU and the greens and they ran a pretty poor electoral campaign for a lot of different reasons but and people were sort of expecting they would do poorly but nobody expected that they wouldn't end up in parliament i don't think uh they just mm-hmm. barely managed to miss the 4% cutoff they got 3.8% of the vote uh, and they didn't get into parliament. Um, and 
um, yeah, there were I mean, a few, there's just so much to maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking too much about things that aren't directly relevant. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, two things that really sunk the greens in 2017 were, um, two factions of their party actually split off from the party in the months before the election. Um, the first, oh, wow. the, the first was, um, and the, the first, in, in, in my opinion, the more interesting faction to split off was the, was their youth organization, their youth organization actually, um, yes. uh, Mm-hmm. got in trouble for for criticizing the party and this is a little bit ironic for for criticizing the party not just for being kind of neoliberal um you know not str- not taking strong enough stances against things like cutting mindesicherung uh which is like uh mm-hmm. what is what is that in germany there's probably a different word in germany it's like welfare yeah cutting welfare mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah, okay, okay. yeah. It's, it's like the least amount you need to yeah. to live so yeah. that yeah yeah, uh, yeah the terms are different in germany and austria anyway so the, the the youth organization not only criticized the the mother party the muta party for for things like uh taking a weak stance on defending uh welfare but also uh for being generally anti-democratic and unable to cope with criticism uh which is i say that's ironic because as i just mentioned the party does come out of you know the 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 1960s youth movement and uh, sort of represents a sort of a hegemony, you know, uh, sort of a deepening of liberal democratic hegemony to, to some degree, I think, obviously it's, it's a little bit limited. Um, Okay. So the, the youth organization uh, criticizes the party and actually gets kicked out of the party. um, And uh, before they were uh, um, uh, die junge Grüne and they ended up, uh, joining forces with Die Junge Linke, which was the youth organization of the the Communist Party, and they actually did. Yeah, the yeah. they they ca- they campaigned for the communists under an an election list called uh Ka- so the Communist Party now it's just called That's KPU. Yeah, it is the spirit. KPU, yeah. and they they call it KPU Plus, and Plus is actually an an acronym for uh plat platform uh P- PL, is, PL is platform, and then. Uh, the U is unabhängig, which means independent, and the S is solidarisch, so solid. So the 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 platform of independence and and uh, the independent solidarity platform, I guess. I find that quite interesting because, like, uh, the German, like the Junge Grüne in in Germany, are also very well known to be way more anti-capitalist than the Green Party yes. and very, way more critical. And so I have a lot of like friends that are organized in the Junge Grüne. And they don't want to like go up to the real Grüne because, like, yeah, they suck. That's that's green parties all <laughs> they, over yeah. Europe. Yeah, it's interesting that in Austria they actually like, well, you know, kick them out. Like they split. Yeah. Oh, they split up. Or, not uh, most. So. Not all of them did. Uh, and those that didn't are now parliamentarians and currently writing uh, lengthy apologias on social media for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we can get into that later. Uh, maybe that's a little bit too gossipy, actually. Yeah. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I like okay. that. Give it the get gossip. messy. Uh, get messy on yeah. the pod. So I, I shouldn't <laughs> say full disclosure. Um, you know, I wasn't a member of. I was not a member of the Young Greens, um, but I I did join the Young. So <laughs> I was not. <laughs> so, his compost pile. Was but I I, I did work on the. I, I volunteered for the Capu Plus campaign. Uh, so I I came into contact with a lot of the Young Greens through that, and then I subsequently joined the nice. Communist Party, of which I'm a member. And I also joined uh, the Junge nice. the Junge Linke um, last year after they merged after the Young Greens and the Junge Linke merged and now they're just all the Junge Linke. Um, 
So yeah, a lot I mean, of the just come. Yeah. yeah, I have a quick question though. Why didn't you join? Um, why didn't you join uh, Yet's the Pilz list? And that's the yeah. seems, pretty cool. <laughs> seems pretty cool to yeah, me. Th- thanks for thanks for getting me back on track. So and then the other split from the Greens was um yeah, and maybe this this is less interesting, but still kind of interesting from the gossipy you know interpersonal perspective. Um, the gr- then it's more. I think it's way more interesting. <laughs> one of the Come on, you know who we are. Most Come popular, on. <laughs> right. One of the Greens' most popular parliamentarians is this guy named uh, Peter Pilz, Peter Pilz. And uh, Peter Pitts was like <laughs> not a real person. <laughs> His name literally means oh, Peter yeah. uh, Peter fungus, Peter mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. nice. Um, so who does this brother's grim character? What is <laughs> <he do>? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Pitts. <laughs> Who's this brother? Yeah. Uh, um, he. So Pitts uh, was. Uh, one of the highest profile parliamentarians. He was popular as an anti-corruption crusader. He, he made a name as an anti-corruption crusader over the years uh, um, through various ini- sort of parliamentary, you know, initiatives, inquiries that that he himself sort of organized uh, that transcended party boundaries. Um, so he also, you know, was a pretty popular figure also, you know, even among some conservative Austrians. Uh, he kind of got, well, it depends on whose story you believe, but um, some of the Pitts fans or supporters say that he got snubbed at the green, at the Green Party conference. Uh, yeah, it's this requires explaining a little bit about how electoral lists work in in Austria and Germany. Um, but basically, you know, mm. as most people probably know, um, rather than just voting for a candidate, you're actually voting for a party um, and the party has a list of candidates usually with the leader of the party being the number mm-hmm. one on the list and and they would in theory get to be chancellor if that party comes in first and then there's a number two mm-hmm. and a number three and so on and usually there are like 200 to 300 spots you know on a on a candidate list they don't have to be that many um if you get a really low spot on a list then you're probably a less important person in the party um and you probably you know and, and if the party doesn't do that well there's a, and doesn't get that many parliamentary seats, there's a chance you won't get to be in parliament. And uh, Peter Pitz, uh at the parliamentary conference where the Greens sort of decided on the list ranking of, of their candidates, uh, Pilz, you know got a fairly low ranking uh, because a lot of the younger party activists don't really like him for a variety of reasons. Uh, and he was... But his name. Yeah, he, because of his name. Yeah, I think it went a little bit deeper than that. There were... Uh, people saw him as, you know, maybe not being the strongest person on sort of, you know, things like, you know, anti-racism or or feminism. Uh, So, you know, maybe because he is. Yeah, exactly. And and definitely not a feminist, as we will talk about in a second. Yeah. um, So, (laughs) uh, Pates was so pissed about the the list spot that he got that he uh, left the Green Party and then he founded his own electoral list called the List of Pates uh, which was, you know, an electoral coalition. Uh, he, you know, so, some some Green Party it's called Hezbollah, yeah, yeah, right. Some Green Party members split off and joined him, and um, he also kind of, I guess, um, drafted, you know, various figures, kind of, you know, in left liberals in Austrian public life, uh, who had various uh, area areas of from various areas of ex, representing various areas of expertise to to join his list to join his, his electoral coalition. And uh, he ended up uh, getting over, he just got over 4%. Uh, 
Um, and so he successfully split the Green Coalition to mean and in a way that they, they didn't make him to Parliament, but he got into Parliament with just over four percent. Um, and he was in Parliament uh, until this year when when uh, the list of pits I think got between one and two percent and weren't on anybody's radar. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I should also mention, uh, you know, the unfortunately the Kapu, uh, you know, as, as a member, unfortunately the Kapu. Um, didn't even crack 1% uh, in 2017 or in 2019. So, um, you know, obviously uh, that's not looking too good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) the Greens... Okay, and then to fast forward to 2019 and and the Green Party's performance, the Green Party uh, got just Mm. over... uh, Or they got, I think, 13.9% in total. So, you know, basically 14%, uh, which was by far the best uh, result that they've had in their history. Uh, and you know it on it, it looks good at at first sight, and it also looks good that the FPU, I think the FPU got sixteen percent. Uh, so the Greens are are you know right on the FPU's heels. Uh, and compared to two thousand seventeen, that's you know obviously a massive improvement for anybody who uh, is against racism, is against you know creeping fascism. Um, but when you actually look at it more closely. Um, the result uh, doesn't look so good. Uh, the SPU could no longer tell voters, hey, look, vote for us. We have a chance of coming in first because the, the polls made it very clear to anybody who was even paying a little bit of attention that Quartz was going to be the next chancellor. Um, so the strategic yeah. voting argument for the SPU didn't work. And because of that, a lot of SPU, a lot of Green voters who voted for the SPU in 2017 returned to the Greens in 2019. Um the Greens were probably boosted somewhat by um, uh, by the climate movement, by by Fridays for Future, um, and by a lot of uh, young voters who who, who turned out for them, uh, which you know is obviously a very positive thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say that caveat about you know the SPU, and this was coupled also with the SPU getting their their uh, worst, you know, the Social Democrats getting their worst result in history with uh, just. Uh, just under twenty-two percent of the vote. Um, yeah, and we could go on to talk yeah. about the, you know, the what the Greens are actually going to do now that they're in Parliament and in their platform. I just wanted to ask quickly before we get into the platform. Uh, in my notes here, I see that so ninety-three percent of the Parliament members of the Greens voted to join the coalition. Yes. only thirty-three percent of the Green membership wanted to join the coalition. So what is what is going on there? Interesting. Um, I hadn't even that thirty-three percent number. I got was from like immediately the day of the election, basically, or when the results oh, okay. came in. That makes more. That uh, makes more sense. Been... To be honest. Um, yeah. So what? So they warmed up to it over a little time. Well, I think um, everybody thought that. Well, I think most people thought that there was probably going to be a coalition of the FPU and the UFP. Um So, I think. You know, if if you're a green voter and you're thinking there's no realistic chance that your party's going to have a shot at coalition anyway, and you don't want to kind of demean yourself by saying, "Yeah, you know, I would join with those you know authoritarian conservatives," maybe you would say, "Yeah, no, I don't think my party should go into a coalition with them." But when push comes to shove, or when push came to shove, um, you know, I, I I'd be surprised if less than half of the people who voted for the Greens were opposed to the Greens currently being in government. Although I, I could be wrong about that again. I mean, I haven't seen recent survey data about how 
green voters feel mm-hmm. about their, their party having joined the coalition. I think most would say that they were fine with it, not maybe not fine with it, but that it was that it's less bad than having a, a right far right co a center right far right coalition. Um, the turquoise blue. Yeah, tur- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, so then how do people the, feel the, the, when the, par- the platform yeah. came I, out? I just want to get back to the you, you mentioned the ninety three percent figure yeah, sure. of, of the mm-hmm. you know parliamentarians voting for the Greens. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I was I was actually a little bit surprised by this. Um, there was a lot of talk that there would be more dissent uh, amongst people in the party just because the the platform that the Greens and the the UFLP negotiated was so uh, friendly to the UFLP. The Greens basically got very little through what they demanded. That they, they they got you know very many very few of their demands were actually realized in their platform. Um. So, you know, and people were saying, oh, you know, the, all of the members of the youth organization who are going to be in parliament are going to vote against it. And, you know, that was true in some instances, but, um, <laughs> you know, clearly most of the, you know, the professional politicians and the Greens support what's happening. Yeah. So just to review, um, we can start with the cabinet level, I guess. So the Greens got two cabinet positions, um, more. I have two written down here. They got they got vice chancellor, oh yeah, and uh, vice chancellor, vice chancellor, and then two cabinet positions. Yeah, the what were the two cabinet positions again? One's like um, justice and climate change. Oh yeah, the climate the climate change Whatever one is a new called. cabinet position that's basically yeah. made special for them. Um, I believe <laughs> you're green. You get so the, the yeah <laughs> the um the the vice chancellor is um, going to be the leader of the Green Party, who's a guy named uh, Werner Kogler, and. Uh, the Minister of Justice is uh, a woman named uh, Alma Zadic, um, who actually, interestingly enough, was in Parliament the past two years as a member of uh, Lista Pilz. Um, so, oh. the, the interesting thing about Lista Pilz is that um, Look, most of back. most of the people on the list, or most of the people in the party, or whatever you want to call it, electoral coalition, were people who were. Mm heretofore new to politics, except for Pilz himself. Uh, you know, it was, it was people who sort of were leaders of, you know, leading bureaucrats or leaders in, in industry or, or mostly like NGO type type people, um, you know, lawyers and, and uh, Tzadich. So technocrats, yeah. kind of. Yeah, <laughs> very technocratic approach. Um, Tzadich was, was a member of, of the list of Pilz. Um, she... Um, yeah, so the Greens have, have, have those two things, but, but other than that, um, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't get much, um, especially, you know, the, the vice chancellor. I mean, it's a bit like the vice president in the United States. Um, they don't really have, um, you know, they're doing. Yeah, the, I mean, Strache <laughs> was the last vice chancellor and uh, his main responsibility, he was, I think his title was actually vice chancellor responsible for sport uh racism responsible for racism responsible for sport like he was he was like the minister of your main responsibility he would like meet with like the olympic athletes and stuff and like shake their hands and stuff because i guess they couldn't think of anything better for him to do i mean yeah strahe's i don't want to get too off track here strahe's main like i don't i I think his like 
he's a very skilled politician, but probably not a very skilled, like, govern, you know, he's probably not a very skilled ruler. He's just skilled mm. at, like, riling up the, the crowd <laughs> and getting people to vote a certain way. Um, yeah, so mm. the, the, I would say, like, having Zadich as the, or uh, Zadich as the, as the justice minister is kind of the only, the only real, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's almost more important than, than, than having the vice chancellorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Mm. Um, so a lot of people pointed out that, uh, so I'd like to say two things in particular about the platform. One about like the climate policy. So the Greens finally got in. What did they add? And then um, there's like a, a criticism, I guess, that uh, I know you pointed out that and a lot of people voted tactically in the sense, or I mean, the uh, the coalition was formed tactically in the sense that it's better than the, the uh, union with the far right. But a lot of people point out that when it comes to... Um, uh, all of the racist stuff, <laughs> to put it simply, <laughs> that Ashi was doing, uh, a lot of it can just continue. Um, so how do we weigh those two things? Okay. Uh, to what extent did the Green add, and did how much did the Greens really block um, something worse from happening? Yeah, so um, the, the environmental aspects of the platform uh, were you know, obviously come, come from the Greens, but even they aren't particularly robust, especially in light of, you know, the the behemoth that climate change is. Um, officially, you know, the government acknowledges that they're going to aim to have Austria be carbon neutral by 2040, um, but they don't really specify many uh, concrete measures to, to take Austria in that direction. Um, there is, uh, you know, uh, one of the planks of the platform is a carbon tax, but again, um, mm. they're, mm. they don't go into specifics about how the carbon tax is going to look. Um, and there's no element of, there's no element that would make the carbon tax, like a redistributive carbon tax that would, that would make it like not go down. Like not. what happened in France yeah. with the, with the gilets jaunes. So um, I don't really, yes. I don't really, th- I don't really <laughs> think, um, you know, even if, your main issue is even even if you care about stopping climate change, like I think from a tactical perspective, you can't in good conscience support that because it's not gonna it's gonna be a political non-starter. Um, okay, mm. and then um, you know what else do they want to do? They want to uh, they want to incentivize uh, people buying electric cars um, <sighs> rather than, for example, yeah. Damn, are you sure that the uh, Austrian Greens and the German Greens just like aren't the exact same? I mean, yeah. the idea is uh, of course the same because they're all fucking like they want green capitalism in the sense of like yeah. rich people can buy electric cars. Yeah. Well, like I understand <laughs> it being a thing in Germany in like what we've previously referred to it as big car land. Because yeah. you can't like, really attack the auto industry here without being like oh, we got it everywhere. Crushed. <laughs> well, as far as I understand, Austria—I mean, the car, the steel—I don't know about coal, but those industries, like in Germany, are pretty powerful. Uh, and there's really what nothing. Cars does Austria what make? Austrian cars? Then? Probably just German cars, but they're made there or something. <laughs> oh. You put an U somewhere in there. <laughs> all right, all right, we're um, all right. One, shade one thing that does look encouraging. Well, I would say like. It's kind of the most positive. The firearms industry yeah, no. of Austria. <laughs> uh, the, the, the most positive aspect of the platform that the Greens were able to get through, but I don't want to be too optimistic about it, is um, 
as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, they did um, successfully get the creation of a Ministry of the Environment and Infrastructure. Um, Mm-hmm. But the problem is that Straba. yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> fuck yeah. them. By the way, <laughs> the problem is that the UFLP is still going to control the treasury. They're still going to control the funds of the state. So, de facto, they you know could seriously limit anything that the Ministry of the Environment could do. Um, so it seems more symbolic than anything else. Um, and um, when the Greens weren't in Parliament over the past couple of years. One of the biggest things the party lobbied against was new mega infrastructure projects, like um, at the Vienna International Airport. Um, there currently uh, there currently plans uh, to build another runway to make the airport, you know, more of an international hub. Uh, and there are also plans to build, you know, a massive uh, freeway which runs under uh, a national park in Vienna called uh, the Lobau National Park, and. Uh, the Greens uh, had sort of activist organizations with very close ties to the party. And uh, effectively, they've now acknowledged that there's nothing that they can or want to do against these new infrastructure projects now that they're in government. Um, they've kind of just mm. dropped the issue, which I think is a big, you know, I mean, it's a it's a betrayal of a lot of a lot of their activists and, you know. You hate to see it, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's not—it's not, it's not something that should come as surprising to anybody who uh, who mm. was paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what about? Um, uh, it seems like at least something I saw in the news was that uh, an example that Kurtz um, was already talking about um, the headscarf ban and this idea that the Frauenpolitik is included under the Integration Ministry. Um, and the Greens kind of not even pushing back against, you know, these kind of moves. Um, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, um, so one of, one of the things that the government agreed upon, uh, is that they're going to institute a, a headscarf ban for, for girls, I believe under the age of 14. And there's even some talk about, uh, so a headscarf ban in schools, that is. Um, and there's even been talk about having a headscarf ban for Uh, teachers although i think that's um more just you know i I don't think there's anything currently on the table about that um and the greens uh haven't given this any pushback at all and even some people in the green you know even some people sort of in the green uh some people affiliated with the greens some green politicians have said that you know this is really about protect they've tried to put a left-wing spin on it saying this is about feminism this is about you know protecting children um, which I think for anybody who thinks about this for, you know, in a not completely selbstverarschende way for more than a minute, uh, anybody who's not completely self-deluded realizes that this is nonsense. Um, mm. um, yeah, like the state shouldn't be telling, you know, girls or women, you know, how to dress or, or what to do with their bodies, period. Uh, I don't think that's an issue that any, you know, leftists need to spend time wringing their hands over or debating regardless of how leftists feel about religion and how much we should critique it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, so in, uh, you, you just mentioned that the, um, so the, the, uh, the, the uh, Frauen minister, so the, the minister of, of women's affairs is uh sort of na- it's a guy yeah. it's a guy it's, <laughs> he wears the fbi female body inspector shirt it's been it's been subordinated to the to the ministry for yes. integration uh which 
Uh, uh-huh. So <laughs> women need to be integrated. Yeah, right. <laughs> In a, it's, it's more. All it, right. I'm, I'm just more, more imagining that. this. Um, so, okay. so um, it gets more the, racist. The, yeah, it gets more racist. Tell me. Um, tell me. There was there was just a joint interview. Uh, two of my colleagues at Mosaic uh, at, at Mosaic just uh, wrote about mm-hmm. uh, um, this issue. There was just a, a joint interview on Tsipsvai, uh, which is kind of the sort of the nightly news broadcast in Austria uh, between Sebastian Kurz and, and Werner Kogler, so the leaders of the Greens and the UVP respectively, um, about, um, mm-hmm. you know, were they asked specifically this question uh, to Sebastian Kurz, you know, why is the uh, Ministry of Women's Affairs being subordinated to the Ministry of Integration? And the answer Sebastian Kurz gave was yeah. he actually said, um, you know, we really need to fight against this macho culture that's being, you know, brought here by immigrants uh, and all these foreigners who who are doing oh, things like wait, all these foreigners what? who are doing things. I mean, you know, Damn. Uh, so, uh, um, oh. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I wanna, I'm going to quickly cite translate the, the direct quotation because you know I, I think it's really yes. Good. Do it. So um, I want to yeah. hear it. I really like uh, the idea yeah, of them having to be like women. You can finally get back from the boss. Was Frauenrechte betrifft, sind viele Themen noch ungelöst. So like uh, concerning women's rights, concerning women's rights, uh, many issues have been solved. Es kommen aber neue Herausforderungen dazu. So there, there are constantly new challenges coming. Wie das Sicherheitsgefühl von Frauen in großen Städten. So uh, many women in in big cities and major cities don't feel that they have a sense of security. Das Aufkommen von Macho-Kulturen, die teilweise nach Österreich importiert worden sind an manchen Schulen. So uh, the importation of macho culture that's, you know, partially, uh, or uh, the emergence of macho culture that's partially being imported to Austria uh, uh, and exists in, in a lot of schools. Teilweise falsches Rollenverständnis von Zuwanderern, die es nicht so ernst nehmen mit der Gleichstellung von Mann und Frau. So a direct quotation, uh, you know, migrants... Uh, or, uh, immigrants don't take, uh, you know, gender equality as serious, uh, very seriously. You know, sie nehmen es nicht so ernst. You know, those migrants, they just don't take gender not equality like very seriously. Austrians not, yeah. and not, not like Burschenschaffler. Because Burschenschaffler like are very known to be geil. very known to be very feminist. <laughs> I, as the counselor, I, as the, the chancellor of Austria, Need, feel like you know the country that produced Arnold Schwarzenegger. We need to step back from macho culture, yeah. which is clearly coming from outside. Yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining. Anyway, here's the video of me with all the like booby yeah. ladies. Wait, 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 wait. Is Arnold Schwarzenegger actually like a foreboder of what happened now? Like being a conservative, a Republican in the US, but also being very gri- like into climate. <laughs> <It's so laughs> oh shit! I like the idea that he's some sort of. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, the, it's the Schwarzenegger um, coalition. Exactly. <laughs> we should establish that. That should be the title but, of the episode. Like, Schwarzenegger coalition. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned uh, like you have to be self-deluded to believe this, but like who, who? There's a similar argument, I think, in Austria too, where they're like. But in, in uh, I think in France, uh, this argument's made that it's like, yeah, we have a problem with anti-Semitism because they're importing it, you know, from <laughs> France. Never had like, yeah, that in Germany Never had well. an anti-Semitism yeah. problem here before. Yep. Never <laughs> Actually, that. Germans are arguing like that, and that yeah. is a weird shit. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Like, uh, have, have you guys seen the news uh, with... Um, 
how Harvey Weinstein is like pretending to have like a limp and be an yeah, old yeah, man yeah. and stuff. He should have just said like blamed it on hip hop culture or something. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, it's all these foreigners who taught you know. That's the only reason I was <laughs> it you know, a serial rapist it for thirty years. Basically, boils down. It's to, not part of our culture. It basically boils down to like every second week you get the editorial being like. Damn, why did these Syrian refugees shit in my pants? <laughs> like, how did this happen? Hip hop yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah. um, interestingly, on this point, oh, it, uh, and one thing I wanted to say um, so, this is just to fully answer Rob's question. Um, you know, when Sebastian Quote <laughs> said this stuff that's quite frankly absurd, um, Vanna Kogla um, uh, didn't, didn't contradict him at all, didn't, didn't say anything. So, just this silence i think speaks volumes and that was that was the point of um <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know of my colleagues uh masa and and and, and reina in other mosaic article if anybody wants if any of the german listeners want to go and read that i would highly recommend it um and another yeah. point on this google translate does a fine <laughs> job it's a good it's a good <laughs> good yeah. Yeah. yeah so the issue of um liberal islamophobia is really big in austria um and uh, one of my colleagues at uh, Mosaic, uh, Benjamino Pratko, actually did a deep dive into this issue in an academic article he published over the summer. Um, and the title of the article is Devils from Our Past, Liberal Islamophobia in Austria as Historicist Racism. And in the article, he interviews various um, journalists who broadly identify as liberal and then analyzes quotations from them to show how they... Um, sort of embody or 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 display um, you know how hegemonic um, liberal Islamophobia has has become even amongst people nominally on the left and there was this one quotation that really stood out to me um, from a journalist uh, asked how he sees his role as dealing with um, sexism coming from Muslims and the journalist responded as such well, one of our jobs is to inform people, isn't it? And I don't mean in the sense of infotainment, you know, a little news and a lot of ha-ha. No, you can actually, if you write it often enough, people, so, perhaps someone will think <laughs> twice, perhaps a woman will think twice before she decides to marry, say, an Iranian. Not because he's necessarily a bad man, but because his mindset is just completely different. And then it might well happen that she ends up locked up in a home or that she will be beaten because she wants to see her friends. I don't say everyone is like that, but it's a much more co- but it's much more common than here, and people should know that. I mean, you can play a game of water polo against crocodiles if you feel like it, <laughs> but you should know before that they are crocodiles. What a bunch Whoa. of batshit insane uh, people in Austria! Yeah. I so really I, love know, that um, someone who locks someone up and beats them isn't necessarily a bad man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> to, to, to tie things together a little bit here, um, you know, when I was talking about the Greens coalition, I you know tried to emphasize that it's you know mostly left liberals, um, and yeah. you know, li- and then you know we talked about uh, Werner Kogler and Sebastian Kurz being interviewed on Austrian public television and quotes saying this thing about, mm. uh, you know, sexism being imported uh, by immigrants and, and Vanna Kogler just kind of sitting there and not saying anything. Well, I don't think this should really surprise anybody in light of how hegemonic um, sort of anti-Muslim racism has become in Austria. Um, and obviously this goes together with hostility towards immigrants of all kinds. Um, but I think this is just a really good sort of encapsulation of 
you know, how, how common these attitudes are even amongst people uh, who, who are liberals um, and, you know, the Greens coalition, you know, I don't think that contradicts, you know, necessarily something that your typical Green voter would believe. Obviously, there are more, you know, anti-racist minded people in the Greens as well. But um, yeah, I just I just thought that needed to be pointed out. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just uh, blown away that they used um, Iranian as the denomination of person who's who's <laughs> the one they have to watch out for because um, I follow uh, Salman, Mr. Danny, and his brother, uh, the Iranian bodybuilders, <laughs> and they love their wives and they love wait, their wait, mother. Wait, 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 wait! Salman is not together with his wife anymore. He still loved his wife. Yeah, but who's that new girl? His new girl. He loves her, but she, he doesn't show her face like because he don't... respects her. Oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't want. He doesn't want thirsty. You know, uh, uh, but the other like okay Iranian bodybuilders <laughs> coming out after him. But his wife was okay because she was already an influencer. Or why? Because I don't know, maybe <laughs> who knows? But still, I I do like Salman and Mister. Maybe, maybe not Mister Danny. Mister Danny's kind of a a rapper sort <laughs> he of guy. He wants to be a rapper. Oh, yeah. But Salman and his brothers, uh, they they love their girlfriends and wives, and they love their mom. And I think that they'd they they do love their mom. Yeah, I think, I think that they would be a fantastic forbid for Austria of how to treat women. <laughs> really. Yeah. I'll, I, j just an idea here like maybe to address this problem they can uh, reach some agreement where the Greens are they're not allowed to uh, interrupt or correct quotes so that won't change but then they can get a website like you know <laughs> divahite.hk <laughs> and they can they can give quotes right statements like a certain number of Pinocchios it sounds super yeah. right wing like divahite.at <laughs> but also part of the agreement will be they can't use Pinocchio they have to use some really probably racist Austrian <laughs> fable crocodiles for <laughs> but you know just an what? idea you know that's that's, that's called problem solving weren't the greens to the ones that then had that magazine that the Ava Ava yes let's talk about Ava no. Oh my god! <laughs> Do we have enough time for that? I don't think we have time. God damn it! That's, That's a little quick. taste. Um, Give us a okay, taste of it. Really quick, Adam, is there anything else you want to say about the platform um, with the the Black Green Coalition? Um, I guess we should be saying turquoise green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People are calling green, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a disgusting color combination. I'd rather have black and green. Can we like talk about this? Like, what was it? inauguration ceremony or what was it oh the the, the swearing in ceremony where the, the subtitles were fucked yeah. yes yes let's let's hear what the the last bit of the platform and then we can just go on to the the nonsense we've <laughs> okay yeah there, there are a few there are actually a few more things to say about the the platform uh one of mm. which is that the one of which is the subtitle of the platform uh or i guess the the motto of the platform <laughs> have you guys heard this it, it's no but that that's yeah. what the greens get to write <laughs> well if the greens wrote it it doesn't reflect very well on them so the motto is klima und grenzen schützen protecting <laughs> so in english that's protecting our no protecting way. our borders and the climate oh my god bring nice. both of them together with your chinese wow. tank that you get at chinese starbucks <laughs> yes oh i didn't god. know that was actually part of the platform Seriously. or like in the model that is insane wow. yeah. that is basically what it is yeah that's it's literally like, what yeah. those two parties are and, yeah both parties and you know yeah. what um another funny thing it's actually kind of sad but also funny um so the color of the green party is obviously green the color of the far right uh fpu is blue 
and if you combine green and blue, you get turquoise, which is the color of the UVP. Yeah. Um, another important oh thing about the platform, I mean, to me, this is one of the most important things, is that in the platform uh, is the statement that um, the parties are going to aim for a budget, they're going to aim for the Schwarze Nur, uh, which is a big thing also in German. It's a big thing in German oh, political discourse. Wait, yes. Schwarze Nur? Oh, no. That means that they're no. not going to pass any That's budget. The they're not going to pass any budget deficits. Um, and you won't have any like social spending like yeah. uh, so if no, if, like, if you say that you're not going to run a budget deficit a if you budget. say that you're going to if you commit yourself to the schwarze nur if you say that you're not going to have a budget deficit well there are two ways you're going to do this the first is by you know uh raising taxes on the extremely wealthy which the UFOP don't you fucking <laughs> dare do that which the UFOP <laughs> is not going that. to do the, the UFOP is you're gonna do like a yeah Internal, like, uh, what's it called? Devaluation. So you can't devalue the euro. No, no, but you're not gonna pay, like, the, uh, you're not gonna pay, like, uh, raise the wages of of workers. Oh, no, of course not. Why would you ever do that? That's what Germany did. did Austria tried to pass the 60 hour work week, I think, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. At least that was like, that happened in the last. Oh, they did. Um, Nice. So, nice. Um, and that's another thing. So, so the Schwarzen, to me, that's like one of the biggest things. The environmental platform or the environmental part of the coalition platform isn't isn't even very good on its own terms. But even the limited stuff that is there, it just kind of boggles the imagination as to how it could ever come to pass if the government is committing itself to Schwarzen, if it's committing itself to not running a budget deficit. Um, so really, I think it's it's a joke. Um, and I mean, I know that like Ger- I know that like it normally goes that like Austria gives Germany the bad ideas <laughs> typically, <laughs> but they literally took. I yeah, mean, the Schwarzenegger is, is, is not only yeah, like the Schwarzenegger has so many implications of being bad, not only just for Germany, but just that it's like devalued like the. I don't know, like, a lot of the implications of what the, uh, the Schwarzenegger in Germany has done is, like, also worse than just Europe in general because it's, like, its wow. main economic producer aside from France. Yeah. I mean, you kind of put it on an EU level when you say, like, yeah. okay, we want... Well, the, it is austerity. This, yeah, exactly. When you say, like, okay, the, the like, you can only have a certain uh, percentage of countries being in debt to the EU, the others, and, and only to a certain amount yeah there's a reason why Wolfgang so, Schäuble was in those negotiations just like have them all the... be indebted it doesn't matter yeah you know but Germany is at like okay we kind of join the eurozone but only if we do this it is the stupidest yeah. idea to come out of Germany in quite some time and that's the thing that Austria then takes in I'm I'm mad <laughs> I had faith in this turquoise green coalition but now <laughs> yeah and um yeah I mean there's there's really just so much gross stuff in the in the platform. Um, and we already talked about racism, you know, sort of racism against Muslims. Um, we've talked about yeah, okay, Schwarzenegger. In addition to the Schwarzenegger, uh, there are going to be massive tax cuts for corporations, as there were, you know, under the last coalition government. Good. Um, under the last coalition <laughs> government, and I think this actually may have also hurt the the FPU. Um, the government changed the. The government got rid of the forty-hour work week, which is the probably the single biggest achievement of the workers' movement ever. Um, 
So now it's uh, legal. Uh, your boss can have you work up to 60 hours uh, without paying you the same overtime that he would have had to pay you before uh, or that oh. she would have had to pay you before. Um, and the Greens, How are you supposed the to Greens, I mean, the Greens could have challenged this. Like they could have they could have uh, thrown down the gauntlet with the, the UFL pay and said, hey, like uh, we have to you know, reverse this. Otherwise, you know, you can go into a coalition with the FPU and, and the Greens you know, really didn't, there, there are so many areas and, in, in um, there, there are just so many issues in so many areas where the, where the Greens could have really thrown down a gauntlet or really tried to drive a harder bargain. And uh, from all the, from everything sort of coming out of the meetings uh, that the press got a hold of, it really didn't look like, or I guess we can say this, the Greens did a really bad job of even attempting to give the impression that, that they were trying to drive a hard bargain or, or, or really trying to throw down the gauntlet. Um, and I don't think we can just, I think we need to analyze this ideologically. Um, and I think this gets back to the fact that the Greens, I think this gets back to, you know, uh, who the Greens voter coalition are, uh, you know, it's mostly, you know, middle class or upper middle class left liberals, um, who, um, you know, just wanted the, the FPU to be, to be out of, out of power. Um, and have a concept of politics that um you know isn't really ba- that's that's more oriented around agreement than around than around conflict um and um you know not necessarily that into things like or you know not that not that turned off by things like uh you know gifts to to wealthy you know to to wealthy mega capitalists or, or to or to industry um and they don't like the FPU in power uh, because to, to, that, to them, yeah, to them, the, w- when they think of the FPU, you know, their image of the FPU is the image of, of Strache and Ibiza. It's this image of this, this guy, you know, uh, doing cocaine and drinking Red Bull, who, who's a slob, uh, who's vulgar. Uh, and um, they, they, they don't want that. They think that's embarrassing. Uh, kind of like how liberals in the United States think Trump is just a vulgar embarrassing, embarrassment. Um, but you know, other than that, there's, there's not necessarily a lot, a lot more to their politics. Like the the greens had this one billboard, uh, which really made an impression on me during the election. Uh, and it was a billboard of, uh, Johan Gudenus and Strache. Uh, there was a screenshot taken from the video. Uh, and, um, on the billboard, it said, uh, it said something like, uh, uh, zurück zum Abstand. Like it said, like we want to bring back Anstand. So, you know, Anstand is actually kind of a difficult word to translate into English, but it means something along the lines of decency, decency. The reason that this word is hard to translate is because it's an abstract concept that's basically an empty signifier. Um, but in the con- damn German yeah. just doesn't have enough yeah. of those. <laughs> but in the context of you know having this poster of of Strache and Gudenus, the guys who are supposed to represent the opposite of Anstand, uh, and then saying we're the party of Anstand, we're the party of of decency. Um, they're saying that. I mean, yeah. the, the the impression that I got is that oh, you know, we're not like these these gross you know corrupt thugs, but. There was no positive. These hip hop politicians. Yeah, yeah, right. There's no positive. Uh, there's no positive content to it, right? It's just like, oh, you know, we're respectable. We're, you know, we're, um, 
you know, we're not like drunken, coked up assholes, which I'm sorry, like, <laughs> if that's your pitch, like, I mean, I'd rather have you than the drunken, coked up asshole, but, you know, I'm yeah. not going to be that surprised if, like, you don't, if that's what you're running on, like, I don't think I can be that surprised if, like, you don't actually, if you don't actually stand up for anything. Yeah. I, I think that captures uh, what you said, Adam. That basically represents all of the, I mean, what this green, movement is or at least how it functions today it is basically you can't even call it a band-aid it's just like yeah you should stick you should keep it doing is a band-aid it's a band-aid on like cancer it, but it's not even on anything it's not even a band-aid the thing is like so one thing i was thinking of was we mentioned before that a lot of the greens came out of the 68 movement and this is um valorized in germany and austria because they like addressed the nazi past and how fundamentally you know they're this rot and this problem in european society and yet you have these if not the very same people then the green movement now saying oh but it's fucking iranians who have the fundamentally actually, rotted culture in europe yeah. we learn how to be good actually so, that is a very uh, 68 thing to do yeah. you have people like michel ubeck or something like that in france uh writing this like novel they're like known to be a very like provocative writer or something being like from the former new left and stuff like that so a lot of like 68 old guys Turned very misogynistic and very Islamophobic in the old days. So just I just remember the one tweet that I saw that like it was a woman in Germany who tweeted out the N word, and then she said, <laughs> "I can say that because I was in the '68 movement." I think, I think that that encapsulates it perfectly. But when when we talk about uh, black green being the future of Europe, what they mean is a very particular relationship between black and green. They mean black, which represents. Business, you know, conservative Sexy. business as usual in Europe. And, and green is just, um, you know, I'll keep it a little fresh. Like green is supposed to be in the, the junior partner in that. It's yeah. never supposed yeah, to be yeah, yeah. the senior partner Except in that coalition. Baden-Württemberg and you have, what's his name? But, Hatchmann. but if that <laughs> oh, happens, yeah, then the, the green green doesn't mean anything. Green becomes black. Black becomes green. It's yeah. green. All it represents is a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of zest in this <laughs> business as usual in Europe. Yeah. And it's it's a disciplining factor that's saying this is Europe. It's not changing. It can never change. You green represents maybe a new. You get excited because it's generational politics. At a new but color. This is you know. This the green is, is the fact that your car is electric. The black is the fact that we blew up all of Cambodia to get it. But, yeah. but <laughs> I don't even know if it's that because I don't know if Europe will seriously like we say. Oh, it's a it's a foregone fact that green capitalism will come about. I don't know. It, Clearly, but, the greens like, aren't literally. It it, it cannot exactly. No. So green's going to be we, a little. I don't know, like something to wave around, and then ten yeah, years yeah. they're like, yeah, we don't need that green shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's just capitalism, yeah. you know. Whatever this yeah. mass de mass death in other parts of the world, what yeah. it'll balance out. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the thing that then. Uh, what's her name brings up? Like this is like this is almost a decade ago in like. Uh, what was her big book? Naomi Klein's this changes last everything. one. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, she even admits a decade ago that then, like, she was speaking with people who were, like, libertarian or whatever, that then that now they finally came across the green capitalism thing. And she's like, well, yeah, that's fine, but that, that like, that cannot happen. Like, three decades ago, you could have done that, and you just disregarded it. Li you mean libertarians having fantasy views of how things work <laughs> no, and no, not no, engaging yeah, yeah, with exactly. reality? But, I mean, like, but, but, but the thing <laughs> of the matter, the thing of the matter is that then, like, now there's the market for it because there's, I mean, I saw a poster in the U-Bahn today of, like, uh, um, an event to teach you about how bad like 
fast fashion is and stuff like that. Ugh. Like we are in that that you know that that marketable area of like sexy green capitalism. Mm. However, it's not going to actually do anything if you know anything about so the <laughs> you know the amount of, of of effort that it takes to uh, to combat climate change. We've already went past the uh, what was it the two or three Celsius. Um, oh, that mark. Yeah, we're we're, yeah. we're significantly past that. We're gonna like fry eventually. Uh, like climate catastrophe is definitely gonna happen. Yeah. And the thing that isn't gonna save it is this type of project. And you have to more have... Teslas forever. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like there 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 doesn't. And I, I I get the appeal then of this because it lets you live the way that you would normally live, and you just get to like you know, but buy different stuff instead of then realizing the fact of like oh. A massive nationalized program, or in Europe's case, what internationalized or transnational program to like plan the economy around, you know, like, like what, uh, the only good thing that, uh, what's it called had, we had them on the show a while ago, um, DM25, where they had like a really solid, not only good thing, but the thing that they, yeah, that they had, that they had the most solid, like, uh, Green New Deal plan that then actually broke down, like, how they would finance it. Mm-hmm. I mean, given it was like the brainchild of, of, um, Janos Varoufakis, but still, like, that's a lot of fucking effort. And when you look at it, you explain to people like, yeah, you need half a trillion a year in loans from the ECB. That that sounds like way too much, you know, like it is a lot to, to stomach. So you can take this type of capitalism and just be like, well, if I, you know, go vegan for, you know, a couple of days a week or I, you know, don't shop at H&M, then I'm good. And yeah, no. that type of package is still going to get everyone fucking murdered. I, um. Just just to follow up on this, I think people have a vision of green capitalism as oh, they're going to co-opt the good greenness and turn it into this watered-down thing where, yeah, you're just vegan once a week or whatever. But I think we should emphasize the transient nature of green capitalism, the idea of green capitalism. Green capitalism now is like having a, like a pet rock in the 80s where everyone's like, this is, what's, <laughs> this is what the future is going to be like. And then you look back and you're like, no, that was, I mean, it was kind of some mystification to kind of like get you through like, look over here while everyone is like, you know, accumulating with, or the rich are accumulating what they can. It's just a mini distraction, you know? (laughs) And so I think we need to emphasize that because like it it redirects us to the questions that matter, right? It's not that, it's it's not a battle over, no, you need, this is what being green really means. I mean, this is my point of view. It's, the capitalism doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, I think there are two, you know, maybe, maybe we want to end on a more optimistic note. Um, there are two things. Yeah. Yeah, please. Well, <laughs> actually first I want to say one more pessimistic thing and then we can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so death cult, death a cult, lot of, death cult. A lot of people on the left um, are genuinely starting to ask the question if it wouldn't have been better to have, uh, you know, a right, um, center-right, far-right coalition instead of a coalition between the Greens and the center-right, given the platform that the Greens and the center-right are, you know, have agreed upon is basically, you know, extremely capitalist, gives very little uh, by way of... the, The... Conservatives give very little by way of concessions to the Greens, and it's 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 really really bad. I mean, there's there's no way a left wing person can can look at this and and I mean, the best you can do is say, well, you know, I mean, I'm an accelerationist. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, 
forgot to talk about accelerationism. I mean, the, the best you can do is be like, oh, well, you know, I am a green voter. I admit it, this is bad, but I still am for it because, um, or, you know, the government couldn't really have done that much because, you know, uh, there's currently a right-wing hegemony in the country and, uh, you know, there's just simply no social majority for the kind of things I want. It's therefore it's okay that the Greens agreed to this shit. Um, you know, that's not a position I necessarily agree with, but at least it has a logical coherence to it. And then there's also the, uh, again, you know, uh, argument, well, you know, this is bad and the Greens could have done better, so I'm not going to defend them, but it is good that the Greens are in government because they're keeping the FPU out. But people are starting to ask the question, like, you know, if the Greens, if it's, is it, here's what it comes down to. Uh, is it better for this, like, racist, you know, neoliberal platform? Is it better for racist neoliberal politics to be implemented by a racist party or a nominally left liberal one? And, you know, I, I think, I, I, I mean, if the question's phrased that way, I think the answer is obviously it's better if the racists are implementing the racist politics instead of the left liberals. The one caveat is that, the, the, yeah, the, the, one, the one caveat there is that, um, like, the, the, yeah, I mean, the FPU does have some, like, genuinely scary characters who, um, you know, were, uh, who, who do have sort of this connection with, with the organized far right. Um, and, and that is, you know, ex- extremely, extremely scary. And also, um, just the issue of kind of, um, yeah, I mean, two bad options, right? Uh, if you have the FPU and power, the FPU is so obviously like openly racist that if they're the governing party, then it normalizes their open brand of racism, kind of in the same way that Trump and his open brand of racism, uh, you know, really does a lot to normalize that kind of politics just by virtue of the fact of simply being president. Um, but the green, you know, these left liberals implementing this racist, poli- you know, racist policy also has this normalizing effect. Uh, if the greens are saying or not contradicting the conservatives when the conservatives talk about how, uh, you know, it's really the immigrants who are to blame for misogyny, um, then that normalizes, you know, xenophobia. If the greens are uh, implementing, you uh, if the, if the Greens are implementing budget cuts, uh, then that normalizes neoliberalism. That, that deepens capitalist realism. That makes people think that, you know, there really is an alternative, if not even this nominally left formation can, can do anything against it. So, you know, I, I don't want to come, yeah, I don't want to come down too hard. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really, I think at the end of the day, it's probably better that the FBI wasn't in government, but that doesn't mean that, like, I don't, I don't feel relieved. If if that makes sense, you know I'm not I'm not, not, I'm not breathing yeah. a sigh of relief. Yeah. Um, okay, so I did say I wanted to say a couple optimistic points. So here are my optimi- here's my here's my <laughs> optimistic reading on the situation. You know, trying to keep hope alive in whatever way I can. Earlier, I mentioned that the Greens don't really have a social base in organized labor, like the SPU. Most of the Greens' base is is relatively well off, and they're also probably going to be the the people who are least hurt by the bad things the antisocial things that the government will do um and i think a lot of them see it as the duty of the greens to be in government just to keep the fpu out 
So actually, you know, in spite of what you might think, you know, as, you know, at first glance, as, as leftists or Marxists or whatever, I don't necessarily think that the Greens agreeing to this coalition is going to hurt them in the next election. I think if there had, yeah, so that's my hot take. I think if there had been, I think if there had been a coalition between, and remember the Greens already kicked out their, you know, their lefties when the, when the Yunga Galuna left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, um, I think if there had been another grand coalition, a coalition between the SPU and the Rufalpe, which there totally could have been, I mean, the SPU was still the second strongest vote getter. Um, this would have really spelled the end for the SPU. Um, the SPU has hemorrhaged voters over the past two decades, not to the center right or to the Greens necessarily, but to the far right especially. Um, a lot of their former, you know, mm. industrial working class base um, now Sounds now familiar. votes for the FPU and they, they now vote for the far right Sounds because familiar. they, you know, yeah. they they mm. see the SPU, they see how it's become totally neoliberal. It's accepted the neoliberal consensus. Yeah. It's not, they, they feel yeah. like the party doesn't, represent them anymore uh they exactly yeah. it's like not talking about stuff like like uh social reproduction for example mm. like you know topics that are now re like are occupied by by the far right you know like saying oh you, you are in this situation that is because of mm. of course their narratives are all like with um are like kind of like ethnic talk and nationalist talk but it's uh, they're talking about these topics that are very much missed in like the former traditional working class parties like mm. SPU and SPD. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so I I think like um, this will this will the the current coalition government stands to hurt you know the total uh vote percentage of all parties to the nominal left of center uh less than like a grand coalition would have um and if the function of the green so in that sense it does buy time um you know it keeps the 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 putschists the putschist uh you know the people who you know are truly anti-democrats in the fpu away from the reins of power just a little bit longer uh for there to possibly be some kind of a left-wing renewal. And to be quite honest, I never thought that left-wing renewal was going to happen in the Greens. Um, I think that left-wing renewal will happen at some point, but I don't think the Greens, uh, given sort of the amorphous character of their politics and their lack of institutions and their lack of a social mm-hmm. base, I, I don't think they're ever going to be the vehicle for that. Um, so, so this does buy some time and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the, the left can get its act together, uh, in time to hopefully, uh, you know, win a better future for everybody, a more livable future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, to anybody listening, how what what can maybe an uh, Austrian listener of ours do? Like, how should they get involved if they're not already? Uh, I don't know. They should watch nothing but his 
um, father-in-law's video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I actually want to answer that question, but we can we can talk about this now. Um, I was going to joke because you had the same last name that we wanted to get uh, Instagram star Uva Balna on the podcast, and then Nick was like, "I think they're related." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is not that small." <laughs> it's like, like, yeah. <laughs> did, did you guys actually know? Oh, yeah. I'll answer the question. But did you guys actually know about uh, him from? <laughs> did you know about him before like we got in touch or yes 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 I, well okay <laughs> i i learned about him because uh the the cool uh music bloggers who write about rap are clowning on him for like singing the baby in his car and whatever and i'm like what? and they responded being like just trying to brighten people's days <laughs> and they're yeah. all they're all like full out of here <laughs> yeah he's he is the most positive person on instagram that i follow and i i really do appreciate okay. it. i will say well, we, we, Links in the show notes. Okay, don't yeah. worry. Like the most important link. It'll be at the we'll, top. We'll, we'll come to this in a second. Uh, so I do really appreciate. Was, um, you know what can people do? I mean, okay, so pe- yeah. maybe this question <laughs> goes out to the Austrian listeners. Um, mm. um, well, I, I asked myself the same question after after the you know the really horrible disappointment of the Kapu Plus project in 2017. You know, after my activist friends and I, you know. Uh, were punched in the face by reality uh, and failed to even win 1% of the electorate. Um, and um, yeah, I, I realized that there was, you know, the party for, I think, I think one of the, one of the, one of the um, challenges facing the KPU plus back then was the fact that it was really just an electoral coalition, kind of a short-term thing, uh, you know, really started at the last minute. Um, and, you know, without sort of the institutional structure of a party uh, and without the profile, without the national profile that really only, uh, I think, a party can ultimately have in kind of the sort of the institutional memory, the um, the the network of, of dedicated activists, um, nothing was ever... Uh, really going to change for the better. So I would actually encourage people to get involved in party politics, even though that might be like a lame. I mean, I know Kieran's probably like rolling his eyes right now as an anarchist in the crew. Um, but I, 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 I do, I do think. Okay, so I think, I think, um, you know, he was actually twirling his mustache uh, right now. Uh, in a weird weird way. Time to do some illegalist stuff. In a, <laughs> time to kill yeah. a zai. I have a comically <laughs> large way, bomb um, in my hand. We kind of alluded to this at various points throughout the episode. Um, the courts vote and the we are in a, in a strangely apolitical moment. I mean, even though everything seems to be, you know, super right wing, I, I think, I think a lot of people just don't really put that much thought into, into how they're voting, you know, uh, and, you know, the sort of the focus on individual candidates and, and electoral campaigns, the focus on these empty signifiers like Anstand or Menschlichkeit or whatever, um, and the lack of like concrete um, you know, political proposals really does suggest, and it's just the focus on, you know, sort of marketing and stylization. Oh, you know, I changed the name of the UFAP to the, to the, to the Neue UFAP list, quotes, reflects that we are sort of in this, in this post-political moment. Um, but I, I think, um, I, I think that the idea that the party form is outdated is just post-political ideology and I, I, I think it's wrong. Um, so I, I would encourage people to get involved with party politics. I myself am a member of the KPU. There's also uh, a new upstart left-wing party uh, that's going to be participating in the Vienna election. Uh, it's called Links. 
L-I-N-K-S. Um, that was actually just had its founding conference last weekend. Uh, we'll see where that goes. The, the Vienna, uh, mm-hmm. state Vienna is a city, but it's also a state in Austria. So the Vienna state elections are, mm-hmm. uh, I believe in September of 2020, uh, sometime in the fall of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I think there's, there's some promise there. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how it shapes up. Um, and you know, there's also, uh, the Junge Linke, which, uh, you know, has quite frankly a really sharp analysis of the current uh, conjuncture that Austria finds itself in. Uh, and a lot of, you know, really dedicated, committed, uh, bright young people. You can join up to age 35. So, I mean, I'm almost 29. Uh, so even I'm young enough to be a Junge Linke. <laughs> um, I would encourage people in Austria also to, to check out the Junge Linke. So that's like a little bit of, uh, you know, some plugs. Uh, also, uh, you should read Mosaic if you want. Uh, Good uh, left-wing analysis. <laughs> hey, that you yo, whoa. Uh, shout out to my fellow editors at, at, at Mosaic. And uh, yeah, in general, you know, even if even if party activism isn't you know the thing where you think you're going to make your mark, um, you know, if you're a political person, the least you can do is kind of talk to you know family, friends, coworkers, uh, you know, about you know, in a, in a casual, you know, not too weird way, uh, you know, about maybe, maybe try to start some conversations about politics and, you know, ask some, ask some questions about, you know, what they think about things. And maybe you'll end up having, you know, I think if pushed a little bit, um, most people can sort of have, most people can sort of relate to relate things that aren't going so well in their life to things sort of to more broader political phenomena. And once you've kind of done that with somebody, uh, maybe that gives you a little bit of an end to, to uh, do some left propagandizing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> that's that's nice. my answer. I appreciate that. Those are kind of the things. That, that's, that's, a good, that's a good answer. Yeah, I, that I, is I, a just, good answer. I'm just going to reiterate that uh, while I'm swirling my large bowling ball bomb with a, with a, with a skull and crossbones on it. That's what I imagine illegalists are like. They're just like cartoon <laughs> villains from like before films had sound. Um, yeah, so I, I strongly recommend reading Mosaic, even if you mm-hmm. just have Google Translate, because I read the like top 10 political moments of the last so good, right? article that Mosaic had. <laughs> so good. That sheds so much light on this ridiculous country. Highlights for Kieran, obviously, we alluded to a lot. Schwarz macht Gale. Gail, which I still insist means black make horny. <laughs> and um, is that what Google translates? Everything to do with yes, it is what Google translates. <laughs> 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 um, I also uh, other key highlights of that article were Ava magazine. It's so pure in its ridiculous greenness, and uh, also the was that the one that had like the like refugee of the week section or whatever it yes, was. Yes, and what? also the the hit versus shit list. I mean, it wasn't actually refugee of the week, but it was like something like he was as, Australian or like yeah, right. It was something really, really, really close to that. Though. The uh, the other one was the Blau Lady from the the campaign song for the FPU from uh, Bergenland. Classic, which. I remember that. Yeah, I, I need. I need to. I need to d- deep dive into all of these. Nick, I would strongly recommend that the ending song to this podcast is "Blau Lady." <laughs> okay, I will just add this. Um, I think here at Corner Spati, we want to give you uh, the Spati mindset, you know, and a certain kind of Spati swag. And what that swag is 
is that everyone who pretends they're right, who's smart, who's uh, in charge about politics, not only they're wrong, they're dumb, they're probably racist, and you probably are a better person and know more than them. This is not true for, you know, minor. I'm talking about the, the people who are on TV all the time, the people who are supposed to run stuff. So you don't need to have any, like, that feeling you have that, like, the world's kind of fucked up. I'm just some random person, though. They, they probably have it figured out. I should be more charitable in their interpretation. No, <laughs> they don't have it figured out. You are right. That party in the Schwarzmachtgeil video is not cool. Don't listen to them. <laughs> to you know that's a bad cool. party. Yo, you know horrible. that's a bad party. And they're trying to be like, this is so cool. <laughs> You Sebastian know. Kurtz would not go to that party <laughs> if he didn't have to. Oh, yeah. we're going to save that for another podcast. Oh my God, they had a fucking like, um, <laughs> saxophone player. <laughs> <laughs> they had a saxophone player and she was playing to electronic music, like techno. Nice. nice. The rest of the world so that, wasn't that, that like wasn't that like a, a like like a hit song in Europe probably like that <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah probably oh you mean Moldova's entry into yeah, the Eurovision yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. wait of course you're on those. yeah no yeah, it was yeah, yeah. But was a female like saxophone no 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 not because that. normally they have guys on the saxophone because yeah no, this but was in a this very case mostly, it had to be Schwarz macht guys so it had to be a woman in very uh, short <laughs> short um, <laughs> yeah that's oh that's all I wanted to say and when you listen to us. I know it can be depressing sometimes, but you know the world's fucked up. And you know that we're all, you know, we're just a bunch of random people who Give do us this. a one-star review on <laughs> Apple Podcasts and say how you don't like that opinion of ours. And we have some friends Actually, in Austria writing a Actually, we get more famous by, like, bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much to the Jan Fleischhauer stand that gave us, Thank like, a one-star review. <laughs> yeah, because we uh, called him a fascist. You that made, was so good. You, that made our day. There's a certain freeing feeling yeah. to it. It was, it was, it was, uh, oh, what was it again? Uh, it, so it ended in the funniest way. It was like, you, I can't believe you called uh, a, a journalist. Um, I, I can't believe, what, what did German you call him again? Accent, yes. But then at the end, it was like, it was like, he's like, the left uh, needs to be more tolerant of people who don't share their quite frankly <laughs> insane opinion <laughs> their insane worldview dangerous yeah. dangerous worldview world world yeah. world that's view. my that was the biggest compliment I've ever gotten I know we did chant dangerous death cult I love it yeah. I love it I write that in my CV again uh, like Jan Fleischer wishes he could live in Austria right now he moved to Bavaria that's the closest you can do that's very close to Austria <laughs> But um, I guess I imagine he just stands at the tip of the Alps, looking down like the Grinch, being like, "Soon, only, soon, <laughs> five years in five years' time, I'll be able to be writing for the, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll be able to go to my own Schwarzmachtgeil party." <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, if there's nothing else, yeah. two questions: yeah. one. Uh, where can people find you, Adam, your work, your tweets, <laughs> your whatever address. you might want to shout out, yeah, your address, yeah. your office. Oh, man. Uh, and where can people find your father-in-law <laughs> if they want to check out his work? <laughs> Good questions. Um, so recently I haven't been doing much serious work or writing of any kind, but I have been wasting a lot of my precious time on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. Hell yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at shalmahaitmai, which means like, Let's just wait and see in Austrian dialect. Anyway, or you can just Google. I'm on Twitter under my real name, so you could just type in my name. Um, or if you want to actually <laughs> read things I, I've written, uh, you could visit Mosaic 
uh, dash blog.at. Uh, or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've also written a couple of th- oh, I, I wrote something in Jacobin a couple months ago and something in uh, Neues Deutschland uh, a few months before that. And I, one of my goals this year is to, is to you know, do some more of that. Some explaining of Austrian politics to an English audience and maybe explaining of German language politics to an English language audience. My father-in-law, uh, Uwe Beitner, uh, <laughs> is an Instagram. Yes. Is, uh, you can find him on Instagram, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, he has like 1.5 million I think he's easier to find than I am. Day. Um, I think he's like one of the top Instagram <laughs> accounts in Germany. Yeah, one point. Yeah, he's. Uh, Does he tell you who he votes for? Um, <laughs> no, we don't want to know that. We don't want. Oh, no, you don't, don't have to spoil it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Off mic. He, uh, he's like really into hardcore Peter Pilz fan. He's like an OG, like internet guy. Um, and he started a personal podcast back in like 2009 or 2010, uh, which he still has up and running. It's called yeah. Um, so obviously everybody knows his Instagram, uh, just Uwe Bartna. And uh, but he has a podcast called Nettes Frettchen. Uh, does anybody get that reference, Julia? Nettes Frettchen. So do you know the Big Lebowski? No, I don't get. That. Yeah. Okay, you yeah, know when yeah, the yeah. Uh, you know when the the gangsters drop the ferret in the bathtub. Yeah. Okay, so so oh, <laughs> the Jeff Daniels character goes, "Nice ferret," and then the gangsters drop the ferret in the bathtub. In yeah. German, apparently, it's yeah, oh "Metzvetchen." <laughs> it sounds so funny it's, in German. That is the most oh niche God, I've thing always, I've ever heard I've in my entire life. English, so, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a German <laughs> podcast. So, I mean, if anybody wants to listen to like yeah. things about like you know summer vacation or like <laughs> oh I don't know uh, his granddaughter, you know my you know, my daughter or something, or then just tune it. <laughs> it's kind of engaging. Sometimes he talks about politics too. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a, wow. a left, a left uh, social Democrat. Pretty good politics, actually. That's a, you do realize you've just planned out Rob's entire week. <laughs> it's just catching up with the backlog of this podcast. I will, I will say I respect his art because like someone who gets that level of fame, they might need to be like, all I do is sing in my car. I should like dance. No, I should no, like he... make it a little. But this discipline. Every it's you <laughs> yeah. know what you're getting every post. It's singing in the car. Good. And you know, honestly, I respect that. Yeah. That's that, that it shows a, a you know a faith and a you you believe in what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all learn something from that. We really can. I guess on that note, uh you know, uh discipline. Yep. <laughs> what else? I don't know. Uh, Porter, that was really where I was going. That was yeah. shoot the climate with the tank. What? Um, yeah, for all the all the links that um, that Adam has mentioned here will be in the will be in the show notes. Uh, so make sure to check out his work. You can also look at Uve, um, and also just keep an eye on Austria because. Oh boy! It's uh, the future of Germany. It is the future of Germany. <laughs> I, I am fully on board with uh, that theory. I hope yeah. not. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Jan Fleischhauer is definitely hoping. Oh no! How after that. the next after the next uh, <laughs> parliamentary election, so there's going to be a uh, coalition between the the CDU and the Greens to keep the the second place uh, out of power. I would I would bet oh, money God. on that. <laughs> Yeah.
on that note, yes. Thank you, Adam, for coming yeah. or yeah. calling Thanks in. Thanks for having me. And we will. S- Adam has to go back to his home planet. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rum state of the Habsburg Austria. Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. German, the German-speaking rum <laughs> state of the former Habsburg Empire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. Peace. Bye. Ciao.